This is the World Warrior Low Key. Hey, this is Road Animal. This is Christopher Daniels. Hi, gang. This is Mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE. Hey, yo. Say hello to the bad guy, Scott Hall. Big Daddy Cool Diesel slash Kevin Nash. Hey, this is Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle from TNA. Hi, uh, this is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion. And you're listening to SNF Radio Network. Standing ovation here. Let's go to our ring announcer. Welcome to the show that brings you all things nostalgia in the world of professional wrestling. It is now time to go Beyond the Bell. Thanksgiving, everybody, or at least those a part of the U.S., but in general, let's give thanks to the entire world on this edition of Beyond the Bell, powered by the SNS Radio Network. I'm your host, Sean Beckerman, back with you to go old school, to bring you all things retro in wrestling. Tonight, we go into the vault for a throwback edition We go even more retro on our retro podcast as this Sunday marks the Survivor Series for the WWE, the second ever pay-per-view to be created by Vince McMahon and the World Wrestling Federation. Over the past several years, the WWE has, you could say, steered away from the Thanksgiving moniker as the WWE has become more of a worldwide phenomenon. As we know, all across the world, not everybody celebrates Thanksgiving on the same exact day. When the Survivor Series first started, it was on Thanksgiving Day, for those of us in the United States. But now, since it's that worldwide juggernaut, the Thanksgiving tradition has been taken away from the pay-per-view, but still there's some type of old-school reminiscence, you could say, to the pay-per-view, as, especially now the past couple of years, they still keep their the tag team elimination matches that we love so much about this spectacular event. So this week, we go into the vault for a very special and extra retro edition of Beyond the Bell to celebrate this Sunday's pay-per-view event, we are going into the archives to provide a two-in-one episode. We'll go back to the very special editions that I presented to you fans a year or two ago in Beyond the Bell History as we look back at the history of the Survivor Series from its inception in 1987 will archive and document the history all the way up until 2010. And at the end, I'll give some of my input or my opinions on the past couple of Survivor Series events. And we'll document, at the time, the second biggest pay-per-view or second biggest event in the WWE, at the time, WWF. A two-in-one, this is going to be a big addition, folks, as we commemorate Survivor Series and celebrate, for those of us in the U.S., Thanksgiving. Initially, this debuted 
as episodes 28 and 29 in the Beyond the Bell series, two separate editions, but we're going to combine them into one jam-packed edition. So for those of you that have listened to this already, go back and relive it. Why not? And for those of you that are new to Beyond the Bell, enjoy the history of the Survivor series. But before we get started and replay and go back into the archive, I want to give my input on WWE 2K14, the video game that was just released. And since JJ talks about it so much on Unplugged, I am a huge video gaming fan that I think it's fitting for me to talk about my experiences and my take on arguably one of the best video games that WWE has ever produced. Gameplay-wise, no one's good at argue, you know, that NWO versus the world, you know, WWE, uh, WWF No Mercy, WrestleMania 2000, you know, the the World Tour, those games, the THQ, that gameplay style was the best bar none action-packed, realistic wrestling you will get in a video game. I will not argue with that one bit. But in terms of the total package of what, and I'm not talking about Lex Luger, the total package of what one video game can hold together, it's hard, it's very difficult to argue that WWE 2K14 has it all. And this is only the first year, not even a full year, under the banner of 2K Sports. I was so excited for this transition because... Yes, there have been some major improvements in the game, but some of you may say over the past few years, the game has kind of been a little stagnant in terms of uh, the quality or the major differences, especially with the technology advancements, especially now with Xbox One and PS4. The dramatic changes in video gaming has been tremendous, and outside of different modes, switching things up, the universe mode I'm so excited for because I was doing the universe mode without the universe mode years prior. I was just keeping track of it in my head in a notebook and having matches and having titles change hands and then putting titles back on guys for each match because they couldn't track it and then putting pay-per-views and cards together. I was doing all the universe mode, of course, in my head as probably a lot of you were. Therefore, that's why we have the mode today. But you know, outside of that one revolutionary um, component... The Attitude Era mode last year was great, phenomenal, and they transitioned it to the the 30 years of WrestleMania mode, which, again, is I, I find it more entertaining than the Attitude Era uh, storyline or mode last year. You know, outside of that, characterizations, you know, maneuvers, really seem to, to be very similar or stagnant over the past couple of years for the WWE franchise. Before it was Raw versus SmackDown. I couldn't wait for them to change the name because there really is not a, a brand rivalry anymore. I was so excited when they moved it to WWE 13, you know, WWE 12, then 13 with CM Punk on the cover. And now, since 2K took the license over, you knew you were going to see improvement. We could see it in the 2K series for, for NBA 2K. I was watching it, you know, on, on YouTube before it came out. I thought it was a real basketball game. Tremendous. And the same you can say now with WWE 2K14. The graphics are excellent. The Wrestle, the 30 years of WrestleMania mode, I love. I'm going through it all. I'm about halfway through. I'm at WrestleMania 14 or 15. I think 14 still trying to battle my way through. But I am so entertained by this game. I'll give you guys a little input on what I'm doing for my universe mode. 
I'm a hardcore simulation type of guy. The games I like to go for typically are really sports games, games that are, are really uh, can be simulated in terms of real-life storylines. Granted, I do like your zombies. I love Walking Dead. I love Dead Rising. I'm going to have to get an Xbox One just to play Dead Rising 3. I love those games. Not really a true sci-fi, don't hate me, Elite Forest podcast. I like movies, but not a gamer in terms of that aspect. You know, the real out there games, like more realistic, like I can vision and you know, envision myself in the game in that situation. Uh, I'm a simulation type of guy. I like to simulate sports leagues, you know, at Madden, NBA, I, I, before I had a kid and busy with a job and everything, I played, I prided myself on playing every single game in MLB 2K in that series, every single game of the season, every single game of NHL, I was playing NHL Live, EA Sports, um, battling between NHL Live and NHL 2K, but I would pride myself on playing every single game, being realistic with the stats, if I lose in the first round of the playoffs, I'm out, if I don't make the playoffs, better luck next, next year, I consider myself the coach slash GM of the team. That's what I like. So we could we were clamoring since Legends of WrestleMania. Um, then we saw all the Legends mixed in with the... Even though I still like carry and like it, the WWE All-Stars game, we finally have a full simulation game with the Legends that we love. Without Roddy Piper, which we have to make. But I won't even get started on that. But this... You can say this game has it all. I wish that they would have kept in some of the Attitude Era guys. You know, I'm not sure licensing and contract issues may have prevented that. To have one even larger, uh, in terms of roster, completed game. Because you had such a great roster with the Attitude Era that somewhat left out or put into different uh, gimmicks or roles, like X-Pac now to 6 in the, the DLC pack. Um, you know, but if you look at a complete game... This has it. In my universe mode, I'm planning two or three years ahead of time. You know, I want to run through the first year, see what the, what the arenas look like. I want to do everything in, in terms of in f- sequence of the calendar year. Um, I just want to let you guys know, just for you gamers out there, you could fast forward if you want. It's probably a couple of minutes. But for those of you that like to think of storylines, I'm going to let you guys in on how Sean Beckerman's brain works in booking a storyline. So this is what I have set up. I had John Cena, still WWE champion. Don't get mad, all right? And this, the, I have other storylines going on, but um, I'll lay the main ones out to you. By the way, I split the two brands up, Raw to SmackDown, and I'm transitioning SmackDown to becoming WCW. Just doesn't happen overnight with, with the snap of a finger, but the message is being relayed that SmackDown will now be transitioning as a WCW brand. Right now, they'll keep the name SmackDown. Maybe it will change. I want to keep the arena. Here's a tidbit or another thing. I wish we can edit the actual arenas in the game. You know, not just create our own arenas, but be able to revise and edit the SmackDown arena. Just maybe to take away the WWF logo or WWE logo to put a WCW logo. Keep everything else the same if you want. Be able to just revise the actual arenas we have in the game already. Not the created options, but the actual arenas that we can play in. Maybe they'll be coming down the line. So, SmackDown will be now a part of WCW. We transition this by changing the U.S. title to the WWS title. We have two separate tag team champions. Now the WCW tag team titles are part of SmackDown. And the WWE now has Monday Night Raw, of course, with the WWE title, the Intercontinental title, and the WWE Tag Team Championship. I just recently added the WCW Television Championship. What I did is instead of 
creating my own belt because I th- think the options are limited, but better than last year. I took the modern WCW title, the one that they used when Flair brought his title over to the WWF, and I changed the belt strap to a darker red, and that is now the new WCW television title, which I think we should be able to replace under the Divas section, under the you know the show editor portion, but it's another issue, small one, but a little pet peeve, as Jeff Jackson mentioned on Unplugged. So that's how we have separated right now. I'm working on maybe a possible four title as well for the Raw brand. But the main storyline is surrounding WrestleMania. We're still doing WrestleMania 29 because year two will be WrestleMania 30. And I'll use the WrestleMania 30, the WrestleMania moment arena, which is a pretty good one if you you have played inside it yet uh, for the following year. So we're building up to WrestleMania 29. This is not Rock versus uh, Cena. Not Rock, Cena 2. We're doing, we're following a different path. Cena is the WWE champion. And there's a new, or should we say, a returning superstar, a part of the Raw brand. His name is Hulk Hogan. And his eyes set on reclaiming the number one spot in the organization. John Cena holds the title up until the SummerSlam, where he took on in a in a very vicious 12 week actually went to 18 weeks excuse me my math it went to up to 16 weeks an initial 4 month rivalry then went to a 12 week rivalry with Big Daddy Cool Diesel ending up at this at, at SummerSlam Diesel versus John Cena for the WWE title Cena prevailing in each encounter, this is Diesel's final chance to capture the WWE title. Cena defeats Diesel. This is not what was seen on on the actual uh, broadcast, quote-unquote, you can say. But Triple H, in a sense, cost Diesel the match. Which helped Cena prevail, retain the title. And Diesel lost his opportunity at becoming WWE Champion. What happened? Diesel blamed Triple H for the loss. Diesel was injured. He didn't he didn't have the opportunity to compete in the match at full capacity. He wanted to delay the match for another month at the next pay-per-view. But Triple H forced him into the match what's best for business. In the end, John Cena won the WWE Championship, or should we say retained it, still holding supreme until... Dean Ambrose came in to cash in Money in the Bank and captured the WWE title away from away from John Cena. The next night on Raw, he was challenged not by the former champion, but now the number one contender, the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, as Cena was supposedly unable to compete due to injury sustained backstage by Diesel, a very angry Kevin Nash. And he said, the Diesel character is gone. You want to play real? You will see real. As Diesel was buried, and as the DLC came about for the NWO pack, NWO pack, Kevin Nash, the Outsiders version, was born in WWE. Mark Henry defeats Dean Ambrose to win the WWE title, which leads us up to a number one contenders match, which which comprised of Ryback and the immortal 
Hulk Hogan. This is where Hogan defeats Mr. Feed Me More and becomes the number one contender for the WWE Championship. We fast forward to the next pay-per-view in which Mark Henry takes on one Yokozuna, a surprising challenger at the pay-per-view, leading us to the next month in which at Hell in a Cell, Hulk Hogan defeats Mark Henry to become the WWE Champion. Fast forward, the plan is Kevin Nash now is against Triple H. Razor Ramon disappears after losing the Intercontinental title and returns as Scott Hall, part of the Outsiders. Their goal to take down Triple H and the WWE. Triple H has to tap back into his blood and call out HBK, the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels, to defend against his former buddies, which will lead up to WrestleMania 29. The click explodes. The Outsiders versus D-Generation X. That will lead us to the Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan is in a brutal battle and rivalry, rekindling the rivalry from 27 years ago against Andre the Giant. And in the Royal Rumble, John Cena becomes victorious, leading us into WrestleMania 29. John Cena versus Hulk Hogan for the WWE title. But things are a-brewing in the WWE. John Cena defeats Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania to once again become WWE Champion, and the Hulkster's not happy one bit about it. That black blood starts to drip into the Hulkster's veins, and we see the return of Hollywood Hulk Hogan to take on John Cena. So that's just a glimpse of year one in my universe mode. I want to hear, send me emails, send me tweets. Let me know what you guys are doing in universe mode. Overall, I love the video game. Keep it coming. I'll talk in future editions of uh, what's happening in my universe mode, things I like, DLC packs that are coming my our, our way. <laughs> my way, I'm looking forward to it. So that's another component of Beyond the Belt I want to add, some video game talk exclusively for professional wrestling. So we'll open that, uh, that vertical up in the Beyond the Bell database, you could say. I'm so excited to add that component to the show. Video game talk for wrestling fans. Alright, so let's fast forward now, or should we say, let's go back in time to relive the formerly Thanksgiving tradition of the World Wrestling Federation. Once again, happy Thanksgiving, everybody, and get ready to relive the Survivor Series, courtesy of Beyond the Bell on the SNS Radio Network.
The WWE has 13 pay-per-views annually at a rate of slightly over one a month now, especially the past, I'd say, two to three months. We've had a tremendous amount of pay-per-views. In a period of six weeks, we had three pay-per-views. They come very fast with very little build-up now these days. But in the early days of pay-per-view, there were only four supercards, or the big four, per year. WrestleMania was the company's premier event and always delivered a show fans were anxious to see. Everyone was awaiting it, the granddaddy of them all. The Royal Rumble had a match with a popular gimmick that still goes strong to this very day that all fans look forward to each and every year. It started out as the number three event and crept its way arguably to the number two behind WrestleMania as the most anticipated event of the year. SummerSlam usually had a very strong lineup of talent, and several of the greatest matches in WWE history took place at this event. It was possibly known at one point or another, or in some circles, as the midway point of the year, the summer version of WrestleMania, and you got a gauge of where the WWE was headed leading into the following year's WrestleMania. It was the events that could not take place at WrestleMania or the backlash of WrestleMania leading up to the summer extravaganza. Then that led us to November time. Thanksgiving Family, the Survivor Series, was a different event, however. On the heels of WrestleMania 3 success, the WWF created the Survivor Series, designed to cash in even more on the huge rivalry between the Hulkster, Hulk Hogan, and Andre the Giant. The initial telecast aired live on Thanksgiving night in 1987, opposite of the NWA's Starcade extravaganza. In the years that followed, the Survivor Series became one of the most highly anticipated events of the entire year. The concept of the show featured teams of four or five battling each other in an elimination-style match until an entire team was gone, with the survivors being those who avoided elimination. In recent years, the show has kept its traditional theme, but has expanded to include other historic matches, such as casket matches, no disqualification, historic championship title defenses, as well as the infamous Montreal Incident of 1997. On these next editions of Beyond the Bell, we will analyze the spectacular event known as the Survivor Series. We will relive the memorable moments throughout its illustrious history, look back at the best WWE Survivor Series teams, and review the best and worst Survivor Series team names. So buckle up and prepare to be the sole survivor on this edition of Beyond the Bell. This week, we look back at Survivor Series from 1987 through 1997, the first decade of Survivor Series. Right now, folks, we're going to go to another one of our colleagues, Mean Gene Okerlund, as he is with the world's heavyweight champion, Hulk Hogan, and his
insurance policy. You live, you die, you survive. But I'll tell you what, I've done everything I could to cover my back, man. Oh, you got these. Look at them, man. Look how hungry they are. The natural food chain here doesn't matter, man. The larger animals like Andre the Giant, it doesn't matter. When they're this hungry, an animal like Ken Patera or Mr. Wonderful can eat them alive. But I'll tell you something, man. I got my policy covered, brother. I got the magnificent one, the deep, dark past. Do what he has to do to get us through this thing. I got the strongest in the world. I've got the fire, brother, just in case we have to burn the whole jungle down. I'll do it with a fire. But I've got the most unpredictable animal of all right behind me. Ask him how hungry they are. How hungry do they look to you? In 1987, we saw Bam Bam's Defiant Stand. At the original Survivor Series, Hulk Hogan led a team of Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Don the Rock Morocco, Kim Patera, and Bam Bam Bigelow against Bobby Heenan's team of Andre the Giant, Ravishing Rick Rude, King Kong Bundy, The Natural Butch Reed, and The One Man Gang. In the end, Bigelow was left in the ring with Andre, The One Man Gang, and Bundy, but he gave his all and managed to pin both Gang and Bundy before falling to the Giant. It was a fantastic use of the show's format, putting over one of the hot young prospects of the company and set the standard right off the bat for future Survivor Series elimination matches. Well, the countdown down now to just a few days. 50 World Wrestling Federation superstars all in one building, assembled on teams, the Survivor Series. Upcoming this Thursday night, what a Thanksgiving it's going to be. Richfield Coliseum, 7.30, just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. There'll be a ladies' elimination matchup. Sensational Sherry will captain one team against former champ, the fabulous Moolah, on another team. Two 10-man elimination teams. Hulk Hogan will captain one team against Andre the Giants team. There'll be a tag team elimination matchup. And, of course, the Honky Tonk Man will captain a team. Randy Macho Man Savage against your team. I know you guys have been working out. You're ready for the Survivor Series this Thursday night. Mm, yeah, unbelievably set. Yeah, a lot of the people on my team, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten along with in the past, yeah. yeah. But one thing, yeah, when we sweated against each other, when there was no more sweat, then we realized what a survivor was, yeah. And the ultimate thing in my mind happens to be the honky-tonk man, because he's the guy that put the tear down Elizabeth's face, yeah, right here. And then one over there on the other side. And the multitude of, uh, yeah, focus of attention was on the honky-tonk man, who's been bragging ever since. Well, this is a time where the center of attention goes back on you, man, and the freaks and the geeks. Yeah, the freaks, macho man, the freaks. I got him on my side, and you got the geeks, man. I'm telling you that the Survivor Series is the ultimate, yeah. Guess who's gonna survive? Guess who's gonna survive? I'm telling you that this is the one. This is the one that won't get away. 
because uh, Elizabeth will be there at ringside. Did you hear that right there? Yeah, she's going to be mm -hmm. there. Yeah, APB all points bulletin, yeah. Uh-huh. And what confidence I have, yeah. Double embarrassment to Elizabeth would be uh, brutal, yeah. But it won't happen. Thanksgiving night, the Survivor Series in the Richfield Coliseum. My team is ready, yeah. Uh-huh. They realize what must be done. And they realize what extent that we will go, yeah. Like I said, haven't agreed with everybody in the past. But the past is the past. And the present is the present. The future is the future. But the future relies on the mega powers, yeah. The Survivor Series this Survivor Thursday night. Survivor Series, Donkey Kong, yeah. Once again in 1987, we saw Strike Force team with the fabulous Rougeau brothers, the Killer Bees, the Young Stallions, and the British Bulldogs to take on the Islanders, the Hart Foundation, Demolition, the Bolsheviks, and the New Dream Team. These early shows were completely made up of Survivor Series elimination matches. This is what I miss to this very day. Much like a newlywed couple, they were entirely faithful to the concept before getting bored and cheating with regular singles and tag bouts a few years later. What makes this so unique is that each team is comprised of five actual tag teams. You know, when WWE actually had more than one or two, like the Usos are the only team besides Air Boom. So that this match is quite the monstrosity with 20 men out there inside the squared circle. It was a feat you cannot see to this day because you don't have that many tag teams, even in the big two companies combined. But it's easily the best thing on the show. Tag team group versus tag team elimination style. Thank you, Gene. We just witnessed a spectacular matchup here involving the team co-captain by Jake the Snake Roberts. And Jake, you suffered an incredible beating here. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that you DDT'd Ravishing Rick Rude after suffering an incredible beating. I didn't do too bad, you know, when it was four on one. I fought back a little bit, you know. I'll tell you something, brother. I ain't no crybaby. No, sir, you want to send four on one? That's fine. Here, slap me around like a little punk, huh? Treat me like a little baby walking around with my hands and feet, man, crying. No, sir, I ain't gonna cry. This is a business, and I take care of business. Damien takes care of business. And if you think that was something, survival series, brother, you got a year. You got a year. You got what you wanted to tonight. But in the next year, my man, I'll get every little bit I want from each and every one of you. And Giant, my big jolly friend, you won't be smiling. No, you choked the life out of somebody, brother. But you're going to find out this is one snake that does survive. Okay, this one is far from over with Jake the Snake Roberts and Andre the Giant. Jake, let's talk quickly about the choking that you received from Andre the Giant, which put you out of the Survivor Series. What can you do, man? The guy's hands fit completely around your neck. It's like a vice squeezing the life out of you. All I heard was a referee counting. One, two, three, four. The man doesn't break. Man, there are rules. But you know something, if you'll just tell me what yours are, I'll be glad to play by them. And if you don't want rules, Giant, give me what you got, big man, because I got something special for you. What a showing here by Jake the Snake Roberts. Let's go back to the ring. Now let's jump to 1988. We saw the Rockers team with the powers of pain, the British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, and the Young Stallions as they took on Demolition, the Brain Busters, the Bolsheviks, the Fabulous Rougeaus, 
and one of my favorites, the Conquistadors. I still have one of the Conquistadors masks. They came over my house to watch a Mike Tyson event many, many years ago, and he actually had one of those Conquistador masks made for me. I still have it to this day. That gold mask doesn't fit me anymore. It was when I was, you know, a little youngster, a little Hulkamaniac, but the Conquistadors are always one of my favorites back in the 80s. But much like the year prior, they've taken 10 tag teams and lumped them together in one survivor's match. And much like the year prior, it's easily the best thing on the show. One thing that really strikes you is the sheer number of managers that the WWE had in its employee and on their roster at one time. In this match alone, you've got teams managed by Bobby Heenan, which I think he managed 50 or 60 guys at once, especially maybe at this point of his career. Mr. Fuji, Jimmy Hart, and Slick. You know, People have completely forgotten at one point that managers even existed in WWE, yet you had three or four of the greatest of all time in this one match. And for those of you that don't recall or that don't remember, the Conquistadors were called Uno and Dos, which I think is so awesome. <laughs> Stereotypical, but hilarious nevertheless. But how can you go wrong picking this? It was entertaining. You had all great teams together fighting once in each other. The tag team division was red hot at that point in the 80s. You had great managers, which makes for a great Survivor Series matchup. Yo, Hulkamaniacs! It's Thanksgiving night, and this is the happiest time of year for all the Maniacs, brother. You know, me and all my little Hulksters, we got a lot of things to be thankful for. Number one, we're thankful for being happy and very healthy. We're thankful for having time to share with our loved ones. We're also thankful that Hulkamania is still the strongest force in the universe. And after the turkey's done, after the blessings are all done, I can tell you what the Hulkster's mostly happy about. It's Survivor Series time, and I'm thankful for my team of Hulkamaniacs. I'm thankful because I'm rich, and you're not. <laughs> I'm thankful for having Damien and the DDT. You know what we're thankful for? We don't have to fight each other! Oh yeah, I am thankful that I am the only man worthy of being the Macho King. Oh yeah. yeah! I'm thankful for the privilege of living right here in the good old U.S. of A. Tough guy! I'm thankful I've got that big earthquake on my side! <laughs> what I'm thankful for for Thanksgiving? For my polka dots! I'm thankful for the judges I serve! I'm thankful for wrestling, cutting, and strutting. I'm thankful for my good looks. I'm thankful for having the most ravishing body in the WWF. I'm thankful because I ain't Ricky Rude. I am thankful for being the world's smartest man. I'm thankful for being absolutely perfect. Yeah, we're thankful for having Donnie stuffing an turkey tonight! I'm thankful for spending Thanksgiving with all the members of the Heenan family. Thanks to giving every day, but especially this day, as the Warriors give me the intention to deliver the power at Survivor Series, and it's going to be a war! The WWF Survivor Series, the Thanksgiving Night tradition! 
Revolution, the ultimate in team competition, with Team Captain Ultimate Warrior and Andre the Giant. Join fellow members, the Anvil, Jim Neidhart, along with Haku, as they join the Rockers and the Brain Busters. It's the Ultimate Warriors against the Heenan family. Team Captains Rowdy Ronnie Piper and Ravishing Rick Rude join fellow members, Superfly Jimmy Skuka and Mr. Perfect, Bushwhackers and the fabulous Rougeos, it's Ronnie's Rowdies against Rude Rude. Team Captain Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Macho King Randy Savage join fellow members Rugged Ronnie Garvin and Greg the Hammer Valentine along with Bret Hart, along with Dino Bravo, Hercules and the Earthquake. It's the 4x4s against the King's Court. Team Captain Dusty Rhodes and the Big Boss Band join fellow members Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Bad News Brown, along with the Red Rooster, Rick Martell, Vito Santana, the Hockey Talk Man. It's the Dream Team versus the Enforcers. Team Captain Hulk Hogan and Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase join fellow members Jake the Snake Roberts and Zeus, along with Demolition and the Powers of Pain. It's the Hulkamaniac versus the Million Dollar Team. It's the Survivor Series. In 1989, we saw the Hulkamaniacs team comprised of Hulk Hogan, Jake Roberts, and Demolition take on the Million Dollar Team, the team of Ted DiBiase, Zeus, and the Powers of Pain. The thing that one can say they loved, or especially myself, about these early Survivor Series matches was that you had team names. Regular team names in WWE these days don't even re- have real names in them. Or even the teams that are left. That's why you have Air Boom. You're missing its corny, which would fit the 80s, but lacks that truly awesome corniness, for lack of a better term. You can give TNA credit. At least they have teams like the Motor City, Motor City Machine Guns and Beer Money, or former Beer Money, but at least they had some creative team names. You know, Mexican America. What, what was the last cool team name that WWE had? You have to think of yourself. This show was full of great team names. You had the Rowdies, Rowdies, the Enforcers, the King's Court. But this is the match where, or especially fans of the WWE, remember so specially, so vividly, and that is because they got rid of Zeus real quick here because well, he was limited. Inside the ring, what he can do except for pound his chest and yell. All he did was choke people, and that's sort of legal as well inside the squared circle. He had Hogan flat on his back for about three minutes into this and was choking the life out of him, prompting a hilarious scene that we saw referee Earl Hebner violently wrench back on Zeus's head, trying to pry him off the Hulkster, but to no avail. When Zeus shoved him away, that was enough for the DQ. Zeus gone. The rest of this was fairly standard, you saw in a Survivor Series match, but especially myself, I always enjoyed seeing Hogan in there with DiBiase because when you really stop to think about it, we never got to see them square off much on TV. I saw them plenty of times in Madison Square Garden on a special house show when they ran circuits there in New York, but they never really had a big pay-per-view singles match together. And DiBiase was such a great prototypical heel 
and would have been a great combatant on a regular basis with the Hulkster. And he could have drew even more money. I'll tell you what I'd do with Damien. I don't have a phobia about snakes, Gorilla. Take a look at my boots. Well, I'd have a brand new pair. I know somebody that has a phobia about snakes. It's Bobby the Brain Heenan and Andre the Giant. Talk about exciting matchups. Right now, we're going to go back again with Sean Mooney and the Mega Powers and their team. Joining me now, the team of five, co-captained by the Mega Powers and Macho Man Randy Savage. A lot of scores to be settled tonight. Oh, yeah, the Survivor Series. Yeah, and all over the world. Yeah, people are feeling the electricity. But this team here, the Mega Powers, is binded together. You see what they, Macho? When you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not, brother. How can we lose with the stuff we're going to use tonight? Isn't that right, yo? Okay, adding to this team of five, Hillbilly Jim. Hootie, let me tell y'all something right now. All over this great country, it's Thanksgiving, and God bless America. Let me tell you something, son. Them boys are going to feel the heat from this old kitchen tonight. Whoa! Each man having his own reasons for stepping into the ring. One man in particular, the mighty Hercules. You got that right. The mighty Hercules has always stood alone, but he's found out now that he don't have to anymore. Welcome to the jungle, million-dollar man. With these animals beside me, you're going to find out you can't always get what you want in DBS. You're going to get what you Leave, man. Yeah. I mentioned reasons Hulk Hogan certainly be looking for the big boss man. Just like the 24 pythons are the largest arms in the world. Just like Hulkamania has ruled for five long years. There are no weak links in this chain, man. The mega power team has been bonded as one, brother. Body, mind, soul, physical ability. When the mighty Hercules stood in the Pacific Ocean, when we had our seance, when we raised our hands, united ourselves as one we were struck down as hulkamaniacs and i actually feel sorry for the team on the other side akeem the big boss man haku the red rooster the multi-million dollar man as far as i'm concerned where i look across that ring each and every one of those guys is gonna dollar sign planet on their head and each and every one of those guys looks like the big boss man the macho man knows what he's gonna do we've got an aerial assault we've got a mountain man we've got the strongest man in the world and what you gonna do when hulk hogan and the mega powers run wild on you the main event still to come let's go back to gorilla monsoon as survivor series action continues in 1990 the gobbledygooker hatches when it was time for the 1990 edition of the event WWE tried to shake things up a bit. Instead of matches declaring victors, the surviving members of each victorious team went on to a final Survivor Series contest, giving the fans an extra match and a subtle tournament-type undertone to the event. Feeling that it was not enough to spark interest, the WWE also decided to build anticipation with the inclusion of two mysteries, quote-unquote, that would be resolved during the event. The first mystery that the WWE teased its audience was the identity of the secret member of Ted DiBiase's million-dollar team. DiBiase had been in the midst of a feud with Dusty Rhodes, who had his dream team comprised of himself, Coco Beware, and the Hart Foundation. DiBiase was going to be joined by the team of Rhythm and Blues, the Honky Tonk Man, and Greg the Hammer Valentine, and a surprise member. If fans wanted to see who the mystery man was, they had to attend the event or purchase it on pay-per-view. Shockingly, right? A shocking notion. In order to see a surprise revealed, you deliver it 
on a paid event. Look at that. Shocking that this is forgotten in this day and age. However, the biggest mystery of all surrounded a gigantic egg. For weeks leading up to the event, an enormous egg was brought out from arena to arena, used to hype the upcoming supercard. Fans were told that the egg would hatch at the Survivor Series, and anything could be inside. As the big day loomed nearer, speculation ran wild about what would be inside the egg. Many thought it would be a debuting wrestler or personality. Maybe it, w- it was some prize to be given away to a lucky fan in attendance. However, nobody was prepared for what actually happened. With all of the initial elimination-style matches underway, fans in the Hartford Civic Center were awaiting the final match when the giant egg was brought out to ringside. Mean Gene Okerlund was on hand to witness the giant unveiling as the egg began to crack. After weeks, if not months, of build-up, the egg finally hatched from it and emerged a giant turkey. Yes, after an insane amount of anticipation and build-up, what came out of the egg was a man dressed in a turkey costume. I said it. The millions of people watching the event at home, as well as the 16,000 in attendance in the Hartford Civic Center that day, witnessed one of the most embarrassing events in the history of sports entertainment. I won't say pro wrestling now, because this is when sports entertainment came into play. Hector Guerrero, dressed in an absurd turkey suit, proceeding to flip and dance around the ring, making turkey noises and dancing with Mean Gene. Okerlund, using his vast announcing talents, deduced the name of the clucky man was the Gobbly Gooker. Guerrero and Okerlund spent what seemed to be an eternity making fools of themselves as the capacity crowd booed so heavily, praying for this event to end. Gorilla Monsoon and Rowdy Rowdy Piper tried to save this fiasco on commentary, claiming that the arena loved the gobbledygooker, as they were barely audible over the sounds of booing and jeering. This is when you really need that, that chair track to play. I remember sitting at home wondering, is this going to be the debut of a new star? Is this someone from maybe from the NWA coming on board? But this before we saw people jumping from show to show. I thought maybe this had to be some really serious major surprise for them to, to tease it. I'm excited. Who is this going to be? A new guy? A new superstar? And then in the back of my mind, um, maybe because I'm naive or I was trying to think the best out of any situation, I'm thinking, well, maybe the the true star or superstar will come out of the costume and be a new wrestler in WWF. So naive. One has to wonder what WWE management was thinking in this situation. The gimmick is one of the worst ever devised in wrestling's long history of horrible gimmicks. Still even talked about to this day. It was in the gimmick the gimmick battle royal at WrestleMania 17. The fact that the man portraying the gooker was a talented in-ring performer from a legendary wrestling family made it all the more unfortunate and unbelievable on top of it. Somebody somewhere in the front office of the WWE thought that this idea would draw money. Make no mistake about it. Professional wrestling is a business. A business to draw money. Everything they do is done with the intention of making a fan pay their hard-earned dollars for a ticket to an event or pay-per-view broadcast. You draw them in. You're supposed to build up anticipation, suspense. You 
I think in the long run you should know what the end game is and what the conclusion will be of a certain feud or storyline but what makes it so special is the ride the company takes you on the suspense the roller coaster twists and turns it was believed that fans would see the gobbledygooker a grown man in a turkey costume and shell out cash to see what he did next you really think so in order to try to deduce why anyone in their right mind would believe this insane idea would draw a single dime one has to understand that in professional wrestling, more than any other form of entertainment, you never can tell what will draw money. A perfect example of this occurred the very same night, which we'll get into. But think back, we just all, some of you complained, some of you enjoyed the Muppets recently on Raw. At least it wasn't the gobbledygooker. For all you fans that hate the PG era of WWE these days, I'm not saying everything that they do is great now, but... Look at the gobbledygooker. Man, the country is buzzing about the big one this Thursday night, the Thanksgiving tradition. I'm talking about the Survivor Series, the ultimate team, with team captain, World Wrestling Federation champion, the ultimate warrior, joined by the Intercontinental champion, of course, the Texas Tornado, along with the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Gentlemen, this Thursday night, the perfect team, Mr. Perfect, and all three of Demolition. That's right, Gene Oakland, the perfect team. They say they can do no wrong. Well, you better get your turkey dinner in early, boys, because on turkey day, you may be eating your turkey through a straw. A liquid diet is what you're going to consist of, because you can't chew turkey when we kick your teeth down your throat. All right, as you know, all four men in team competition. However, I see some individual matchups taking place. One quite possibly could be you, Texas Tornado, and their team captain, Mr. Perfect. Well, first of all, I'm getting sick and tired of hearing the perfect team. I'm tired of hearing Mr. Perfect say how perfect everything he does is the perfect this and perfect that. Well, I'll tell you what, perfect, you can't run. Because I've got the Legion of Doom and the Ultimate Warrior looking out for me. So perfect, bring it on, because it's you and me, boy. All right, let's talk about some of the possibilities we might see this Thursday night in the Survivor Series. Maybe in this team competition, a four-on-three, three-on-two, two-on-one, maybe even a four-on-one, Hawk. Odds make no difference to us. We've been fighting them all our life. And being so vastly far from perfect, speaking for myself, of course, I wonder what it's like to make somebody who thinks they're perfect look very imperfect in front of a lot of people. All right, Team Captain, the World Wrestling Federation champion is psyched for this one. The Ultimate Warrior, your thoughts here at the 11th hour. Surrounded by the force field. My warriors channel to us. Even you, Gene Oakland, cannot escape now. You must stay with us until D-Day, this Thursday, Turkey Day. Maybe then you will be released, but until then, I will program these individuals to stay unstructured and unbalanced. All right, there's the lineup. The ultimate warriors and the perfect team. I'm very curious to find out who will survive in the Survivor Series. With me four individuals who claim to be the flawless foursome, the perfect team, and if what we just saw was any indication, there is going to be a war in Hartford, Connecticut this Thursday night at the Survivor Series. First of all, Mr. Perfect, what were you doing at ringside? 
First of all, I'm the team captain. I can go to ringside. All of my teammates are in the ring at any time. So does that mean the Texas Tornado can turn around and throw a punch at me for just standing at ringside? This man needs an adjustment. This is the team that's going to show him what's going on. Well, you brought the entire team to ringside, and uh, I'll tell you, Smash, you had a little help out there with the Texas Tornado. Well, I think your eyes are bothering you a little bit. Texas Tornado, you are down. I was beating the living daylights out of you, and you know it. Perfect. What I'd like you to do for me, please, warm up that arm right there. Because when we get the Texas Tornado on my knee again, and you're up there waving it like this, don't hurt that arm. Because I want you to go like this. And I want him to come down and break his neck. Yeah. And then Axel will go up there and break that legion of dumb's neck. And all we got left is the ultimate meatball. Well, gentlemen, I think you're all aware anything can happen at the Survivor Series. Two on two, four on four, one on... Won't you shut up and let me answer you a question, Amoeba? You probably think the Warriors are going to win, don't you? Well, I think they... Ah, well, shut up. Nobody wants to hear from you anyways. Listen here, Warriors. I hope each and every one of you got a good look at what happened to the Texas Tornado when he got the devastating elbow right across the neck. Okay, well, the Ultimate Warrior is going to be there as well. Also, what about the Legion of Doom, X? We call them the Legion of Doom, and we're not concerned about them. The only thing we want to prove to the people, we're going to prove to ourselves first that we're the best wrestling machine there is today. The perfect team with the perfect captain. And he has one wish for Thanksgiving. And we're going to grant that wish that he has that scrawny little neck of the Texas Tornado to twist. Well, uh, Mr. Perfect, you must keep in mind there are two World Wrestling Federation champions on the Warriors. Of course, the Ultimate Warrior, the WWF champion. And what about the Intercontinental Champion, the Texas Tornado? All you have to know, Mooney, is this. The name of the game is survival. Behind me is demolition. That means they destruct anything in their path. And with Mr. Perfect's wrestling skills, I only see one thing. A perfect victory. Could be World War III, Gorilla. <laughs> We saw the debut of the Phenom, the Undertaker. While Survivor Series 1990 is infamous for the debut of the Gobbledygooker, like we discussed, it is also famous for the de- for the debut of another WWE, not wrestler, megastar the aforementioned surprise member of Ted DiBiase's team was not a wrestler WWE fans were familiar with. He was a WCW star, or maybe not a star, but wrestler, who went by the name of Mean Mark Callis. Only with WCW for a short time, his contract was not renewed, and he was signed by the WWE. Seeing his size and athletic ability, Vince McMahon felt he could make Callis a star. 
upon entering the promotion at the Survivor Series, he was given the gimmick of an undead zombie who could not feel pain as he was an animated corpse who would better his opponents unmercifully. People who are not aware of wrestling history must feel that this idea was almost as bad as a man in a turkey suit, if not worse. Who would ever buy into such a ludicrous idea as that? Surely this man was laughed at, or laughed even out of the building almost as quickly as the gooker was, right? However, those who are long-time wrestling fans know that this was the debut of The Undertaker, one of the single most successful gimmicks in WWE history. One that is still going strong 20 years and several world title reigns later. What made it work was the superstar portraying the character. It was unique. You saw people's jaws drop. An eerie feel came over the crowd when The Undertaker came out because it was new. It was different. Yes, it was overdrawn, over dramatic character. But it still created attention made you watch. Most wrestlers don't get auspicious debuts. Most come in, hit a few signature moves, and beat a jobber. If they're lucky, they get vignettes hyping their debut and showing their character, like Brodus Clay. However, The Undertaker was a surprise entrant for Ted DiBiase's team at this event, and his appearance captured the imagination of everyone in the arena. He hit the tombstone on Coco Beware before getting counted out. The WWE would never be the same again. In the crazy world of pro wrestling, you never can tell what will connect with the fans. This initial gimmick, that undead zombie, that slow pace, that slow walk, was so unique, it drew a lot of people in. But it was the evolution of The Undertaker, that character that kept him viable and kept him relevant to this very day. The Undertaker set the standard of what a true character is in the world of sports entertainment. These are the natural disasters, but there are four superstars who combine the terrible forces of nature. It is these four men, an earthquake. It seems tonight you set the tone for this Thursday night, but you must keep in mind at the Survivor Series, it's not just going to be one man in the ring. You, perhaps, could be going to four Hulkamaniacs, Hulk Hogan, perhaps. That will never happen. I have the strongest, meanest, and wildest team in the WWF. If all the Hulkamaniacs do what boss man does they'll be smart because there's no way that they will advance to the grand finale against us well also on this team two members of the heenan family you saw the big boss man out there in the ring with the earthquake he has stated that there is no man who's going to block his path to get to bobby the brain heenan you will be standing in his way barbarian big boss man Tom, if you Tom, need to Tom. put your hand That's right. on Bobby Hidden, right. you have to go through me or Hato. But it ain't gonna happen this time. The survivor is getting closer, and we are coming to get you, Hakumaniac, as our victim. Well, not only will you have to look out for the big boss man, Haku, what about the man with the two-by-four? We all team here. I don't care about Jim Duncan. We all team here. We stay together, and we're going to walk out together as the victorious. Well, there are all kinds of possibilities. 
that can happen at the Survivor Series. It you could got happen on two, one on four. Anything can happen, and you've got Not it. anything can I'll tell you what's going on at this show. Tell you what I'm right now. First man out is going to be the fat duckboat. The second one out, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The third man out, the big boss man. And you, Hulk Hogan, will be there all by yourself facing the most devastating place in the World Wrestling Federation. And yes, it's going to be your final chapter, Hogan. Your last match. Hulkamania right, is going right. to die at Survivor. Oh, gentlemen, oh, 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 I'm just kidding. Yeah. 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 You have to get through that match and then get to the grand finale match of Survival. Who is going to end up there? We will be in the finale. All four of us. Just moments ago, you met Sergeant Slaughter one-on-one, and all of a sudden, from out of left field, here comes General Adnan. That's exactly right. I just came out of the ring, Mean Gene, and I found out a lot about the no-good Sergeant Slaughter, the traitor. You're a disgrace, and you can't get the job done on your own. But in Survivor Series, you're going to find out what the odds are. Four against yeah. one. Oh, That's what we want. Yeah, yeah baby. Quite possible yeah. that could happen in the Survivor Series. Also, joining Nikolai Volkov yeah. and Kino Santana, Butch and Luke the Bushwhackers. Yes, James, take a look at us. A League of Nations made from four corners of the earth. And at the Survivor Series, we're going to be the toughest shooters, and we're going to stuff our opponents oh, all over the planet. Oh, right. me, James. James. We're going in there with all our hot soul. Because, oh, mean Gene, we're going to be all yeah. fighting. Under oh glory, the old red red blue and white, and that makes us so bloody very proud. Anybody knows about the good old red, white, and blue? Is this bad, Captain Dick and I, Volkov? That's right, Sergeant Slaughter, Boris Volkov, all of this press. We are ready, here we come in, here I have the best company anybody can have. Here I hear, we have American flag. Sergeant, if you like it, get out! All right, I thank you, Sean Moody. These four men, the Dream Team, this Thursday night Thanksgiving in the Survivor Series are going to be squaring off against the Million Dollar Team with Captain Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. He's going to be joined by the Rhythm and Blues and a yet-to-be-named fourth man, a mystery partner, rounding out that foursome. Brett the Hitman Hart, you've just returned from the ring victorious over the Honky Talk Man, but what about this Thursday night in team competition? Well, Honky Talk Man, he found out and he lost the battle. But next time, when the Dream Team steps in the ring with the Million Dollar Team at the Survivor Series, we're going to win the war. Right, team? Ooh, yeah, yeah, man. Man. Yeah. What about it, Colonel? I feel all right. Oh, yeah. Because it's Survivor. Survivor. Oh, yeah. Come on, Jim. Talk yeah, to him, brother. Jim, the yeah. Adam Neidhart, this has got to be right down your alley. You're a team man all the oh, way. You know, you know what, Gene? It's, it's right down... The dream team's alley, but about this mystery partner, what do we have to do? Hire, hire a private investigator? No, we don't have to hire a private investigator to find out who this mystery man is. We're just going to survive. 
What about a team captain the American dream? Oh, let me Dustin. tell you oh, what it is oh. all about, baby. The bottom line is that when you bring a force that we know nothing about, we only get better. We only get meaner. We only get ready for the Survivor Series. Talking about Thursday night. There's family involved here now. I said, drug my family into this, find my belly. Well, that's family here, brother. There's a lightning bolt here, baby. There's the greatest tag team in the world on the dream team. <laughs> and there's the American dream, Dusty Rose, who is coming specifically for Ted DiBiase. And a mystery partner, if he's big. Yes. If he's short, yes. if he's round, yes. if he's tall, yes. if he's bad, yes. if he's good, oh. is he ugly, oh. is he wood, First. we don't care, because we don't kick butt in Survivor Series, right, baby? Yeah, baby! Yeah. All right, it is quite evident to me the Dream Team is ready this Thursday night. The shootout coming up from Hartford, the Survivor Series. You won't want to miss this one. Oh, my. Right now, let's get back to the arena and get rid of Monsoon. Joining me, a team that has certainly been bought and paid for, the Million Dollar Man's Million Dollar Team. Now, we'll get to you, uh, Ted DiBiase. First of all, I want to address the Honky Tonk Man. Obviously, you cannot be pleased with the match you were just involved Obviously, in. Obviously, anybody can cheat to win, and that's exactly what Bret Hart did. But this Thursday night at Survivor Series, there'll be no cheating to win. That's right. That's exactly right. And let me tell you something, hearts. You'll be the hearts. You're going to be heartbroken. And I'm going to tell you something else. We got an ace up our sleeve. He's the mystery partner. Who's the mystery partner? Where is he from? How big is he? What can he do? I know it, and my team knows it, but that's the ace in the hole for us. And it's too bad, Dusty Rhodes, that you don't have that punk kid of yours in your corner, because then we'd have all the turkeys in the ring at the same time. Yes. Yeah, going to be a big Thanksgiving Day feast, Dusty Rhodes. How many times do you have to go to bat, Rhodes, before you realize that you're not going to get a hit off the Million Dollar Man or the Million Dollar Team? You're just like an old mule that keeps butting your head into a wall and back it up and button that wall again. You just can't seem to figure out that no matter how many times you hit the wall, you're not going to get through. And this Thursday night, we're going to prove it all once and for all. Is that right? Well, Tell him about it, Hammer. You mentioned the Hart Foundation. You, of course, mentioned American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. But you must remember, Greg the Hammer Valentine, Coco Beware, is going to be a part of that team as well. Well, Coco Beware, he can bring his bird down and we'll roast him. We'll have him as a Thanksgiving bird. Coco Beware, we're not worried about you. The Dream Team, everybody knows that calls and that is exactly what they are, the dream team, because they are dreaming if they think they can go past rhythm and blues, the million dollar team, because we're worth a lot of money. And we're going to go out and show everybody that it costs a lot of money for Rhythm and Blues. The Million Dollar Team and our mystery partner, we're going to pull it out. We're going to mow them right down. Dusty Rhodes. The incentive, as always, the incentive, as always, with the Million Dollar Man's team, in the motivation is money. And these men have been, palms have been greased. And the mystery partner, please don't ever underestimate what I've got up my sleeve. Dusty Rhodes, I've left you laying too many times. And this Thursday night... Thanksgiving, you're going to be the biggest stuffed turkey of them all. <laughs> Let's go over to Mean Gene Okerlund. The Gravest Challenge. From 1991, we saw Hulk Hogan, the WWF champion, 
take on The Undertaker for the World Wrestling Federation title. Screwjobs are a part of Survivor Series. We see that now. Obviously, there is one that stands tall above all the others. All above the rest, of course. And is the one most often referenced when other screwjobs take place at the event. Plus, the Survivor Series seemed to loom in some of the greatest rivalries in professional wrestling history. But it was a tradition long before 97. This was one of the first, and one with important short-term and long-term ramifications for the World Wrestling Federation. The champion was Hulk Hogan, the biggest star in wrestling. The challenger was the previous year debuting The Undertaker. Now, with this debut that happened at last year's Survivor Series, we saw this star dominate competition. Who would have known that since this match, The Undertaker would not only last longer in the WWE than Hogan, but go on to become a true wrestling legend? Who would have thought it? This match was the first of many big-time matches for Taker, and one of the most anticipated matches of Hogan's peak as champ. Hogan last beat Sergeant Slaughter for the title, but the WWF was starting to change. New wrestlers from the NWA were jumping over, including Sid Vicious and Nature Boy Ric Flair. Fans were tiring of the corny monsters, and Hogan was without a real threat as champion. Enter Ric Flair and The Undertaker. By all means, this should have been Flair's win over Hogan. The match was made, and a young, athletic Undertaker was bumping all over the place for the elder statesman. The match was going the Hulkster's way until Ric Flair made his way down the aisle. Flair would make his presence known by coming down to ringside and trying to steal Hogan's belt. Hogan was able to fight him off, but also had to contend with Paul Bearer. The two-man interference was too much for the Hulkster, and Flair wound up tossing a steel chair inside the ring, which would be the deciding factor. The Undertaker tombstone Hogan on top of the steel chair, which was new at the time, caused a bit of a shock, leading to a 1-2-3 and winning his first World Wrestling Federation Championship. Today, this won't be a big deal, but back then it was huge whenever the world title changed hands, because now it's changed every freaking month. But it was a big deal at the time, especially Hogan losing to a new young guy that's unheard of. This was the this basically was only the second time since the pay-per-view boom that the world title changed hands on a show other than WrestleMania. That's how special and unique it was. It drew attention. This was the first time a non-elimination style match was held on a Survivor Series. So that's a key point we have to look at. This match being the first non-elimination style set a new tone as Survivor Series was starting to evolve. And I think it evolved too much where we got away from the traditional style of Survivor Series. This was Hogan's third title loss, if you don't count Andre the Giant's non-sanctioned win on Saturday night's main event with the Hebner screwjob finish when the twin brother screwed the Hulkster out of the title and Andre basically handed the belt over to DiBiase as DiBiase forked over cash and basically paid for the WWF title. 
This was one night, one match, and a lot of history. The Undertaker was still a new kid on the block, yet the new kid shocked the world by beating Hulk Hogan for the WWF title. I remember I could not believe it. The Undertaker, he's not a world champion. He shouldn't be champion. He's only been in the company for a year. Why is he beating my Hulkster? Oh, Hogan. Oh, yes. The immortal Hulk Hogan. Your gravest challenge is only two weeks away. The clock is ticking down. Everyone has seen your casket. Now it won't be long, and everyone will see your burial spot. All your little Hulkamaniacs can line up one by one and toss a rose on your casket, and we'll walk away with your title. Your title. Your soul, your Hulk, a maniacs, they all come to an end. The 27th is your day of rest. This Undertaker, truly, ladies and gentlemen, is something else. He is a force to be reckoned with. And I'm certain that Hulk Hogan is going to touch on that as he makes an appearance here in just a few moments in the funeral parlor with The Undertaker's manager and confidant, Paul Bear. This week, we got comments from L.O.D. and the Big Boss Man. Jack Tony, it seems to be that your wall is crumbling slow. We're waiting on you. Are you going to let Savage be our partner or not? Because we got a fight to do. And it's a fire series, whether he's with us or not. Our three will be the victors, right, Boss Man? That's right. Animal, do you believe in law, order, and yeah. justice? Oh, do you believe in law, order, and justice? You know it. The Big Boss Man lives, ace, and breathes law, order, and justice. And in Survivor Series, we're going to make sure that's dished out one by one. The three of us are going to beat the four of you, plain and simple. You don't like it? We don't care! What a rush! In 1992, we saw a couple storylines come to a head at the Thanksgiving tradition. We saw the big boss man defeat his nemesis, Nails, the convict that came back to attack the big boss man for revenge from Cobb County, Georgia. It was a little scary seeing Nails wrestle. Not not just because of the way he talked, because he was terrible inside the squared circle against the big boss man. That was the culmination of that storyline. We saw Mr. Perfect and Macho Man Randy Savage team up. Mr. Perfect returned to the ring to team up and defeat the team of Razor Ramon and Nature Boy Ric Flair, who arrived in the World Wrestling Federation with his first big-time pay-per-view as the real world's champion. We saw a elimination style matchup, four on four Survivor Series style between the Nasty Boys and Natural Disasters as they defeated Money Incorporated and the Beverly Brothers. We saw Brett the Hitman Hart in his first title defense against the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, and he came out victorious and it was apropos as this was the year 1992 and just five years later these two would once again find themselves in the main event of Survivor Series. 
With me now, the reigning Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels. During the past month, we have witnessed an incredible turn of events in your life. Conspicuous by her absence, your manager, Sensational Sherry, who right now is recovering from injuries she suffered during a confrontation you had with Marty Jannetty. And many believe it was you, to save yourself, who pulled Sensational Sherry in that, front of that a charging is, that is a Marty Jannetty. Well, nonetheless, without your manager, less than two weeks ago, you captured the Intercontinental title from what seemed to be an invincible British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. And tonight, here at the Survivor Series, you face a man many believe is the greatest scientific wrestler of all time, Bret the Hitman Hart. And he is indeed a fighting champion during his short tenure. He has defended the title more than any man in World Wrestling Federation history. You want to talk history there, Sean Mooney? Let's talk a little history, okay? Who is the man that beat Bret Hart at SummerSlam for the Intercontinental title? Well, the British Bulldog. That's right. Now, who is the man that defeated the British Bulldog quite easily, I might add, to become the new WWE Intercontinental Champion? Well, you did. Everyone That's knows. right. And me. Now, for all you mathematical geniuses out there, one and one make two. Two belts. See, when I signed for this match, Hitman, I knew I had nothing to lose and everything to gain. Your belt's on the line. Mine stays right here. So tonight, all over the world, the last thing the people will hear is, ladies and gentlemen, Shawn Michaels, the Intercontinental Champion, and new... World Wrestling Federation champion has left the building. A very confident Shawn Michaels, the reigning Intercontinental Champion, on his way to the ring. It's champion versus champion. Well, my thoughts, first of all, they come from the heart, and they come with the utmost in feeling. You see, they say that the greatest form of flattery is imitation. And for perfect, in his wildest dreams to stand in front of the world and tell everyone that I emulate him, that I walked in his footsteps, that I lived in his shadow, that every success I've enjoyed, which means two times, being the WWF champion was because he orchestrated the whole thing, because the brain sat in the sideline Wrong! Perfect! A little while ago, you referred to yourself as the greatest double reverse artist of all time. Well, pal, Wednesday, make sure you cross the goal line. Make sure that in all your illusions of grandeur and all this excitement and this new found lifestyle that you learn how to survive. Thank you, gentlemen. Stay tuned. More Survivor Series showdown after this. Easy. The year was 1993. We saw the Hart family, Brett, Owen, Bruce, and Keith take on Shawn Michaels and his knights. The Red Knight, the Blue Knight, and the Deadly Black Knight. If you're wondering why HBK would have his own team of medieval knights, let's explain. Jerry Lawler was to be the captain of that team as he'd been feuding with Brett for months. It made sense. We had the Kiss My Foot match. He had the long rivalry, rivalry between the King 
and Brett making fun of his parents and basically dragging the heart name through the mud. So it was set up to have the hearts against the king and his court. But Lawler went and got himself in some legal trouble, which booted him out of the Survivor Series match. Michaels, who was still on suspension for what was to believe to have been a steroid failure, was reinstated, and this was his first match back. This is before the, the, the set drug testing policy WWE has now where you're suspended for 30 days and you cannot you know you can't go on the road or travel but you can be set up in storylines but be non-paid to fit and mesh with the current plot lines within WWE but at the time they ended Michael's uh, suspension and he was put into this match in place of Lawler the family feud host at the time Ray Combs did the intros to this match and it was quite annoying we saw him at Wrestlemania as well it also marks the first and only time in his career, or should I say his WWE career, that Bret Hart wore a singlet with no pants. People thought maybe this is the new look for the Hitman. It wound up being the Rockets' new look going forward. The match itself was very good, and most importantly was the starting point of the Bret Owens sibling rivalry. Leave it to Shawn Michaels to stir up the pot with the Hart family. It was nice to see you saw all the hearts wearing the the singlet with the heart logo right on the midsection, just like Brett wore. And of course, everyone wore black with a pink liner, but Brett wore all pink with the black liner, which Owen had a problem with, of course, which fits so well. And remember, it ended with Owen hitting, running into Brett, and Brett slamming his ribs on the the guardrail, and then Shawn Michaels rolling him up. Rolling, rolling Owen up for the 1-2-3 pin, and Owen being the only one to be pinned in the match as they were victorious over Shawn Michaels and his Knights. And then Owen came back out and started to have a problem with Brett because he was the only man that was out of the elimination match, and he couldn't celebrate with his family. Here started the Brett-Owen feud, the slow build that would continue on for many months in the WWF, one of the best rivalries in history. Considering the location of tonight's Survivor Series, let's put a historical perspective on tonight's venue. Tonight's Survivor Series will certainly be no Tea Party. However, much like our forefathers who participated in the Boston Tea Party, the Americans are speaking out. Just as John Adams led the Bostonians in the Boston Tea Party, I have the privilege of leading my fellow All-Americans into the Survivor Series. Paul Revere's words ring true today, one if by land, two if by sea. Paul Revere made his midnight ride to give a warning. Tonight, foreign fanatics, I'm warning you, you're not going to survive. Bunker Hill stands out in history as one of the most significant battles in the Revolutionary War. As far as I'm concerned, it's Bunker Hill all One over One big one, an eight-man tag team matchup, the All-Americans in action, captained by the real All-American. You've got it, Lex Luger. Lex will be joined by Native American Tataka and former WWF tag team champions, the Steiner Brothers. The opposition on the other side of the ring, the Foreign Fanatics, captained by WWF champion Yokozuna, well over that... 
well, 600 pounds at least by now. He'll be joined by Ludwig Borger, the guy making all kinds of trouble, and the reigning WWF Tag Team Champions, the Quebecers. Right now, let's hear from the team of ingrates. You know, they're calling this team the foreign fanatics, and that's exactly what they are, because if you see the definition of fanatic, it's single-minded toward a purpose, dedication to a cause, and that's the way that all these men feel about winning, and they're all successful. The Quebecers, the world tag team champions, the most powerful man in the world, Ludwig Borga, and the anchor of the team, the World Wrestling Federation champion, the great Yokozuna. Now these all-Americans, Lugers, losers... Steiner Brothers, Tatanka, you're not going to be able to stand up to this combination because we haven't just limited ourselves to one country. We've got an international flavor. The best from the whole world is coming at the All-Americans. And as for me, I don't even care about those three stooges are with Lex Luger. My beef is with Luger. He says he's the American hero. But Lex, you better cash your last check because this is going to be your last bout in the World Wrestling Federation. Because I'm not going to only break your back. I'm going to destroy your career. So does yeah! Get this, folks, another big match for Survivor Series. It's being called the Family Feud, and when you find out who's involved, you won't have to ask why they're calling it the Family Feud. It is going to be hot. It's going to be so hot that we've got Ray Combs. That's it, the host of Family Feud, the TV program. He's going to be on hand in the Boston Garden doing his thing. I'll tell you what, wait till you hear these teams. Team 1 for this family feud is captained by the self-professed king Jerry Lawler also he's going to be joined by three knights of the squared circle who they are we don't know I could care less really the opposition we know about it it is the Hart family captained by former WWF champion Brett the Hitman Hart along with his brothers Owen Bruce and Keith and get this in the corner Pop will be there Stu Hart in the corner of the Hart family right now here's some comments from the excellence of execution, Brett the Hitman Hart, take it away, Brett. Jerry Lawler, you're going to bring some knights to the Survivor Series, and you're actually going to have the guts to step in the ring with myself and three of my brothers in what's going to be called the Family Feud. Jerry Lawler, I hate your guts. My brothers hate your guts, and you are going to pay dearly in the Survivor Series for every single thing you've ever said about my family. We're going to give whole new meaning to the word heart attack. Folks, I would not want to be under the crown of one Jerry Lawler when the excellence of execution decides to unload on him and whomever his three knights may be. They're all in for a long evening at Survivor Series. You can bet on that. Two more big matches signed. We'll find out about those a little bit later on in our Survivor Series report. Who will survive in this fall classic? Then in 1994, we saw one of the most dramatic moments in Survivor Series history. A lot of people fondly remember the title match between Bret Hart and Bob Backlund. Either you could say the in-ring action, particularly the ending stretch, either was one of the most dramatic moments or boring in recent WWF history. People fondly remember what was going to what was going on outside the ring. The match had special stipulations that the match could only end when a wrestler had someone throw in the towel on his behalf. Brett had the British Bulldog on his side, and Bob had Owen Hart, Brett's brother. During the match, Davy Boy was incapacitated, which made it unlucky for everyone involved in this match. Bob Backlund had Brett trapped in the cross-faced chicken wing for well over 10 minutes, but could not win the title. Brett was suffering, but the match could not end. 
the man that was supposed to throw in the towel, the, the towel was knocked out. Strangely, Owen Hart, who had been a rival for Brett for a year now, at this point, and had torn their family apart at the same time, seemed to be moved. He started yelling about how it was his brother, begging someone to stop the match, and even crying because of his brother's suffering. Unable to throw in the towel for Brett, since he was Backlund's corner man, Owen begged his parents to throw in the towel. Stu was very reluctant, but an almost unconscious Brett, and the weeping Owen was too much for Mother Helen Hart, who threw in the towel, awarding the match to the and the championship to Bob Backlund. Owen then started to cheer wildly and paid no attention to his brother. It had all been a ruse, and Owen fooled everyone. Now the title was finally off Brett, and Owen was responsible. The ingenious scheme is one of the highlights of the event. You can say this was the first time that Bret Hart was screwed at Survivor Series. All I'll say is, well, in 1994... We saw Chuck Norris. Enough said there. Thank you very much, Vince. I am standing with Owen Hart. Obviously, we've just witnessed some... We thought you were having compassion for your brother. Vince McMahon said we're seeing the true Owen Hart. This obviously was some sort of setup. <laughs> a setup? You got it right. That was a setup. This is the greatest Thanksgiving of my life. And mom and dad... <laughs> you fell right into my trap. You threw the towel in, and Brett, you're no longer the WWF champion. Mr. Backlund is. And Brett, I could have beaten you before, but you cheated. But now, you're nothing. You're below me. You're down there in the gutter, Brett. You're not a champion anymore. You're a loser. And I'm a king. And Brett, you're a nobody. I'm going to be the WWF Tag Team Champion. I am going to be a WWF Intercontinental Champion. And Brett, I am going to be the WWF World Heavyweight Champion. And I, unlike you, will never quit. I will never surrender. You're a quitter, Brett. Mom and Dad threw in the towel. And you're history, Brett. And I am. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Don't you forget it, brother. Woo! As we enter the new generation of the WWF in 1995, we saw Big Daddy Cool snap at Survivor Series. Once again, Bret Hart in the main event spot, taking on Big Daddy Cool Diesel. This was the long-awaited rematch from the Royal Rumble in 1995, Diesel had been WWF champion for roughly a year at this point, with mixed results in the ring and at the box office. Vince was going to go in a different direction now, this time with the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels. But he needed a transitional champion. Enter Bret Hart. This was discussed in their rivalry DVD that just released. Bret and Diesel put on a very, very good match. And with the rules thrown out the window, it got very violent in a hurry. Brett went through a table near the end of the match before getting a surprise small package for a mild upset, winning his third WWF championship. After the match, Diesel viciously assaulted Brett, planting him into the mat with his trademark jackknife powerbomb. He continued to vent his frustration, 
taking out referees and yelling at the fans. The unsportsmanlike gesture turned the fans against Big Daddy Cool and set up the next few months worth of matches between Brett, Diesel, Undertaker, and Shawn Michaels. In addition, it helped solidify the character that Nash would play eventually in WCW, giving him the edge and the cockiness that he endeared that basically endeared him to millions in that company aside from simply being flat out awesome in its execution the turn was very indicative of where wrestling was going as a whole the more shades of gray the heel or the bad was starting to become good the spirit of the undertaker lives within the soul of all mankind. The eternal flame of life that cannot be extinguished. The origin of which cannot be explained. The answer lies in the everlasting spirit. Soon all mankind will witness the rebirth of the Undertaker. I will not rest in I was there, Madison Square Garden. Survivor Series returned to the Garden. And this is where we saw the Garden turn on HBK. The boyhood dream becomes a nightmare. Shawn Michaels, the WWF Champion, takes on Psycho Sid for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. If you take this match and put it in any other building... I don't think you would have half the heat this match had. And Shawn Michaels likely would have received a warmer welcome. But as it was, New York hated the dancing babyface and booed him out of the building while openly embracing the challenger. I know Bret Hart and Steve Austin had a much better match, which we'll get into next. But this is a spectacle that no one can get tired of watching. HPK carries Sid to one of the best matches of his career and loses the title, ending the boyhood dream and, in one's opinion, marking the unofficial start to what would become the Attitude Era. Starting to develop here, you saw a different genre or different 
era in World Wrestling Federation come about. This was during the period when Michaels had Jose Lothario following him around wherever he went. So when Sid grabbed a TV camera and smashed Jose in the chest with it, that was quite the shocking moment. Jose fakes the best heart attack ever on the floor, and as Michaels tends to him, Sid takes that same camera and smashes it over the back of Sean's head, muttering an audible F.U. I mean, I'm cleaning it up here. Andy Knowles will be happy. But not once, but twice. One powerbomb later, and Sid is your champion. Take note of wrestling superfan, my man, Vladimir, in the front row, where else would he would he be? I sat next to him many event, which we'll get into. He was actually a close friend of mine at the time, as he would always bring me up to the front row and sit with him. And we spent many, many a card together almost every month at Madison Square Garden and the Manhattan Center enjoying wrestling together. And he, he looked, who at the same time, he, he looked like he could not be happier to see an old man murdered as he high-fives and hugs the new champion on his way out. I loved it. I wasn't sitting with him for this event. I was off from the opposite side. But, of course, I had to laugh when I saw Vladimir hug him. If, you, if you've if never seen this match before, it's worth going out of your way to watch for no other reason than to see what wrestling crowds were once like and how a wrestling, a wrestling crowd can change the impact of a match. Shawn Michaels looked blatantly... He, it looked, he looked so out of place it looked like he would it affected him you can actually see and my my boys over at review away from from live audio wrestling mentioned it um where you saw Shawn michaels really really not accept the booze well in madison square garden he started flicking off the fans and it shows how good john cena is to this day where Cena can hear booze on a nightly basis and just take it in and go with it and still stick to his character and not retaliate or not lose his cool, especially at that ECW one night stand, the second one when he took on Rob Van Dam, when the fans hated him, he just took it like a man and proceeded to move on with the match, never let it get to him, and Shawn Michaels let the fans in Madison Square Garden get to him that night. You know, Brett, the whole world knows that you quit the WWF you because you lost to Shawn Michaels. The pretty boy. The boy toy. Kicked your ass back to Canada. You couldn't face yourself and you can't face your family. You ran away in shame. You should have picked another time to come I back, ain't son. No sexy when the boy. bell rings and it's time to get down to business, I'm going to take seven years of frustration and being pissed off out on your ass. Think about it like this, Brett. You can finally go home, look yourself in the mirror, and get a little peace of mind because you will know you were indeed beat by a real man. In one of the greatest matches in Survivor Series history, 1996, I was there, Madison Square Garden, saw Brett Hitman Hart take on Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is one of my favorite matches of all time, bar none, not just being a Survivor Series match. Brett and Steve had great matches together. One of my greatest WrestleMania matches of all time, or one of my favorite, is Brett versus Austin, first blood match from WrestleMania 13. But this match is one of the greatest because I sensed we had a star and I'm not not lying here I have a sense of these things I've been watching wrestling for 30 years I sensed we had a star in the making with Steve Austin 
This match was historic and memorable on so many levels. For one, it was the biggest match in the WWF at that time for the man who would later go on to carry the company to number one. Second, this was the first match back from a lengthy layoff for the WWF's top gun of the early 1990s. Third, a bad bad match or bad reaction may have stifled the rise of the top stifled the rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin to the top of the WWF. Last, this was the first in the series that would take the WWF into the Attitude Era. Steve Austin and Bret Hart tore the house down and arguably stole the show. The feud could not have gone off to a better start. The story on this night ended with Bret getting the win in a close match. Any other feud would have ended there. But as Austin said in, in promos building up to the match, Bret, it will never end. The two would go on to steal the show at WrestleMania 13 and have arguably the greatest WrestleMania match of all time. I'll say it to this very day. These two had great, one of the greatest succession of matches of all time. And if they're going to continue with this rivalries DVD, like the Bret and Shawn, initial one, I want to see a Bret Hart versus Steve Austin DVD and have those two talk about the rivalry because it was so great, it was so epic it was an epic encounter the moment the two locked up solidified Steve Austin as a money, a big time player and a main event WWE wrestler this match meant just as much, if not more to Austin's career as any other that he ever had, this could have even meant more than a title win for him at that moment in his career because it made him. He say, for instance, like now, sometimes they rush the title onto somebody like a Jack Swagger, who they're not necessarily ready for a t- championship reign, and you forget about it, and you forget about them. Sometimes a match with a top star can mean more than a world championship reign. I think they have a potential if they did it right with Randy Orton versus Cody Rhodes right now. Cody Rhodes could benefit by having great matches with Randy Orton to send him to the next level. I'm not comparing Cody to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying to send a, a big Carter or up-and-comer to the next level, you need to have that great series of matches with a top star like a Bret Hart or a Randy Orton. For Bret, the match was equally equally as huge. Bret left the WWF to pursue acting at the time he needed a break. It's discussed in the DVD as well. In the meantime, giving Shawn Michaels the ball to carry. Shawn's success caused bitterness and jealousy in Brett that motivated him to return to the ring. Brett talked a big game coming back and a letdown at Survivor Series against Austin would have turned him into more of a laughstock than anything else. Brett wouldn't allow that to happen. He had too much pride. So when you look back, this was, this was pretty big for both their careers, Brett and Steve. The match exceeded expectations and was the start of the Attitude Era. This 96 Survivor Series, we saw the start of the Attitude Era develop as they were getting more edgy, and Madison Square Garden set the tone for that. The intense build-up in promos between the two going into the match was on another level of anything that the WWF slash WWE had going in a long time, especially at that time. A forgotten match by many, but one of the most memorable moments in Survivor Series history was the night Bret Hart returned to Madison Square Garden and answered the challenge of Stone Cold Steve Austin. The ending was was great, with the Million Dollar Dream 
countered off the top turnbuckle by Brett into a pin, which we've seen him done many times. Brett used that type of maneuver against Roddy Piper to win his first Intercontinental title at WrestleMania. It was done before. It's such a great spot, great ending to a match, and you knew you had a superstar in the making in Stone Cold Steve Austin. 1997. Oh, what a year in Survivor Series history. This is the most controversial, most talked about, most argued moment in the history, not only of Survivor Series, but the WWE as a whole. I don't think I have to go over what happened that night in 1997, the Montreal Screwjob. Most people don't remember what happened in Survivor Series of 97 because in their minds there was only one moment, one match that took place in 97. That was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. You know what happened. Bret Hart was screwed out of the World Wrestling Federation title in fear the title would be taken to WCW with him as he was leaving the WWF. The night before the pay-per-view, WWE was in Detroit. Because I remember at one time it was discussed, oh, what if we... Brett drops the title in Detroit to Sean. And, yeah. right? Am I right on that one? I said, I even suggested what I had suggested to Vince. I said, why don't I, why don't we have the match in Montreal and I'll drop the belt the following night in Ottawa on Monday Night Raw live. But he, that wasn't good enough. I said, I'll drop the belt there. I wanted to, I said, let me drop it to Steve. I said, but I'm not, I said, I want Sean to put me over first to prove to me that he has the respect for me to put me over. After what he said, it all came down to that remark about saying that, that he wouldn't put me over. Well, is, this whole thing's come down to a lot of respect. And heck, I've said it to Vince McMahon for what, but for whatever reason, I wanted the validation of the hitman. Yeah, you know what I mean. And and and, and so it, you know, again, chip away at everything else. There's a, you know, so, again, so little when, boy who wanted to be a wrestler, wanted to be told. When, when he you was got good, to Montreal you know. and on the day of the event, had the plan been fully? Had, had the plan been fully uh, no. designed? No, no. I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't. I mean, there was no. I mean, there was no. You know, you meet the night before, and it's like, okay, we still haven't convinced him to, you know. To, they weren't standing on the grassy knoll yet. To do business, yeah. No, no. Well, no, and that's the thing. Well, and again, and the thing is, you know, he says, and I've always said it. You know, it's like it, it is like a mob hit, and like, and you're, you know, I, I'm, I'm Sammy the Bull. I'm Sammy the Bull Gravano, and like on one hand, you've got this, you've got this rivalry, but at the same time, you know, you know what you're doing is not an endearing act. I mean, I, I already knew people didn't like me. It's one thing to say it. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do it, and also, and then to be the guy. And I can remember Vince, you know, don't worry, I'll take the heat. And it's like, dude, there's like, there's, you, you can take whatever you want. It's going to go on me, you know? Uh, and it's, well, no, no, I'm going to take it. It's like, you're the boss. How how mad can they possibly get? I mean, it's you know, the crap rolls downhill. It's going to go on me. You know what I mean? And so, but so the night before, it's more of less like okay, I got one last ditch effort tomorrow to try to convince him. But as of right now, this thing's actually going to have to happen. You know, what are we going to do? And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I, I you yeah. know, I've never done it. You know what I mean? You know, and I got you know, we got Jerry Briscoe. You know, saying like, well, uh, if something goes awry and whatever, you guys get into a big fight. You know, geez, you, me t- you know, want me to teach you some moves? It's like, you know, it's like, no, no. I mean, geez, I mean, it's just, this is, you know, I mean, this is, again, be, for a while it's just talked about the night before. Now it's like, holy cow, this is really going to happen. Yeah, and, we're getting closer now to showtime. And that's what I'm saying. And again, there's, there's no way I'm going to know. We have to sit down and 
discuss the match, and there obviously has to, an opportunity has to present itself for something, either a fast count or a mission or whatever. That's the only way. I don't. I won't know until we're together. What I want to discuss here is the impact that match had going forward on the Survivor Series. For the next couple of years in the WWF, the Montreal Screwjob will be carried over in the theme of Survivor Series each and every year. In 1998, we saw Stone Cold Steve Austin take on Mankind, the Deadly Game semifinals match. It was the first and only single elimination tournament for the WWF title since WrestleMania 4 a decade earlier. You could look back fondly on the Deadly Game motif that they had, including the awesome theme song that you heard at the top of the program and the gigantic skull entranceway. That being said, there's not a single match from this tournament that you could rate above two and a half stars, which means you would have to look at the Steve Austin Mankind match in the semifinals by default as the best match of the tournament. This is the match where Shane McMahon turned heel for the first time and flipped Austin the double bird after refusing to count the fall. It's also the match where Mankind's pants fell around his ankles and he was stunned or stunned by Stone Cold. Foley would make it to the finals before being screwed by The Rock, which we'll discuss next, and it began his first of many runs with the championship. It's also the only Survivor Series to this day to not feature a to basically not feature a single traditional elimination match. Let's hope that it stays that way. Once again, in 1998, like I said earlier, a corporate champion survives the Survivor Series, and a brand new corporate champion is born. Two years prior, Rocky Maivia debuted at the Survivor Series and was embraced by the Madison Square Garden crowd as he valiantly led his team to an upset victory, the babyface Rocky Maivia with the music beginning the Rocky chants that were dubbed in for the fans to follow along with. The next two years saw him go through a loathed, goody-two-shoes babyface to a cocky, arrogant, and charismatic leader of the Nation of Domination, who was so good at what he did that the fans cheered him again because he was so good at it. In two years, he had become one of the biggest stars in the company. At the Survivor Series, he fought in a tournament for the vacant WWF Championship and dominated his way to the finals. His opponent was Mankind, who we just mentioned defeated Steve Austin prior in the semifinals. Mankind was another immensely over superstar with only a few years experience in the World Wrestling Federation, even though he traveled the territories. There was going to be a new champion crowned, and for one man, it would be the first taste of world championship gold. Unfortunately, the match did not end with in the sweet culmination of a journey to fulfill a lifelong dream a la Shawn Michaels. Instead, The Rock aligned himself with Mr. McMahon, put Foley in the sharpshooter, and allowed Vince McMahon to ring the bell. An obvious nod to the ending of last year's Survivor Series, like I mentioned in Part 1. The Rock was WWF champion, and he was once again despised by the fans, the people. The incident led to months of feuding with Mick before Rock was finally defeated by Steve Austin at WrestleMania 15. 
But it was also the moment that The Rock jumped into the main event scene. Regardless of the dubious circumstances that he won, the first world title win of the, one of the biggest stars in wrestling history deserves mention as one of the greatest moments in Survivor Series history. In 1999, we saw the debut of the Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. It's the in-ring debut of our Olympic hero. Of course, it would make this list. I can't get over how much smaller Kurt looked in this match as compared to one of his matches, say, in 2003, where he started to bulk up a bit. Fans in Detroit have the audacity to start booing not and not cheering for the Olympic gold medalist not long after this match starts. Well, I totally agree with this because Sean Stasiak was not the greatest in-ring competitor and he didn't really follow too much in his father's footsteps, to say the least. He had a great body, but couldn't, didn't have the, the complete package. The best part of this was Kurt basically stopping the match to get on the mic outside and berate the crowd. It was different at the time. An instant recipe for heel heat. It was great. He was trying to talk like a babyface, but in a condescending manner. It was different at the time, and it definitely set Kurt Angle apart from the rest, especially in his debut match. The match was really nothing, but for historical purposes, this is one that stands out the most on this show specifically. Had Triple H not had Rikishi run over Stone Cold, that triple threat main event would have been one heck of a battle, I'd say. But you want to look back at momentous moments in Survivor Series history or the most special moments. It wasn't that main event. It was the debut of one of the greatest competitors ever to enter the squared circle. The Olympic gold medalist, Kurt Angle. You do not do Olympic gold medals. I'm the best in the world. I came here for you. You do not boo me. Now, you know what? I, I sort of like that. You got to respect that, Jr. That's wrestling for you. That's standing up for what's right. You do not boo an Olympic gold medalist. You have respect for an Olympic gold medalist. Well, the fans spend the money and do what they want, but they should or shouldn't boo him. Oh, they should always respect an Olympic gold medalist. This guy went out and fought for his country. Well, and he earned respect in the amateur match. He's got to earn respect here. Nobody there for the cross body. That was smart. You see Kurt Angle signaling to everybody how smart he is? Angle with a modified slam, a fall away. Oh, beautiful! And the Olympic gold medal winner. You know what? He stole that move from me, JR. These fans are booing him. What's wrong with him? Do these people realize we've never, ever in the history of the WWF had a real athlete like Kurt Angle and Olympic gold medalist? What are they booing? Well, I'll tell you what, folks, out here. Angle's getting booed with England. Folks here just. As we just mentioned, Kurt Angle's debut. One year later, in the year 2000, he was competing in a WWF Championship match. And he was the World Wrestling Federation Champion. It was Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker. 
for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. Some say it was Kurt Angle versus The Undertaker's pants at the Survivor Series. Everyone knows how awesome Kurt Angle is. But after just one full year on television, it's really scary how good he already was. He was the WWF champion already. This was billed as The Undertaker's 10th anniversary. A decade of destruction. Kurt, well you see, Kurt has a brother named Eric, who from a certain distance looks pretty, looks pretty much like his sibling. They had pretty similar look. They pull the old switcheroo, the twin magic, you can say, nowadays, at one point, and The Undertaker delivers a last ride powerbomb on who we think is Kurt before going for the cover. Referee Earl Hebner counts two before halting his count, and the crowd has no idea what's going on. Some people see Earl and think automatically, oh, screw a job again, another year. But Earl saw Eric's face and was smart enough to realize you can't count a fall on someone if they aren't even in the match, right? Kurt sneaks up behind The Undertaker and rolls him up for the pin before hightailing it out of the arena in hilarious fashion. That, what, that's what I loved about Kurt Angle. He was so funny, too. He was a great athlete, but it was his personality that won me over especially. Not to mention we kind of look alike. Hey, hey. And shortly, a couple of years later, we saw the old-school Undertaker return. But the match was unique in itself was momentous, and it was Kurt Angle's first championship defense at Survivor Series, only a year into the company, a year from his debut, and he defeated the legendary Undertaker. At this very event, will that hold two tonight when the, the Undertaker challenges our WWF champion, Kurt Angle? Can Angle match up with the American badass? We'll find out, but now take a look at this. Kurt Angle has done more in 11 months here in the WWF than anyone in WWF history. And I captured my first goal by winning the European Championship. I captured the Intercontinental Championship. I not only captured gold, but royalty as well. When I was crowned the 2000 King of the Ring, I topped the most amazing 12 months and became the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And that is true. There's only one American badass. There's only one Undertaker. Although I don't dress like Satan anymore, I'm still down with the devil. The last ride. That's a statement from the Undertaker. And I will go medieval on your ass. Four-quarter match to determine the number one contender for the WWF title. The Undertaker tasted it. Jericho, he'll be going for his last.
2001, we saw Team WWF, consisting of The Rock, Chris Jericho, The Undertaker, Kane, and The Big Show, take on The Alliance, consisting of Steve Austin, Rob Van Dam, Kurt Angle, Booker T, and Shane McMahon. There is something inherently wrong with the parting image of what began as the WWF versus WCW war, being The Rock pinning Steve Austin. So goes the famously botched invasion of 2001, which culminated in this match at the Survivor Series, where the losing group would die off forever. Only one group can survive. So in WWF terms. Kurt Angle, who had defected to the Alliance just weeks earlier, was a mole all along as he assisted Team WWF to victory. Best match on the show, but leaves a bad taste in anyone's mouth when they think what might have been with the, uh, the invasion angle between the two. The invasion was botched so heavily. However, with all the problems leading up to it, and even the sheer stupidity of Team WCW having two WWF guys, and... and an ECW guy, and the son of Vince McMahon on their team, this match was done right. For over 40 minutes, the teams battled back and forth, fighting desperately for their survival. On commentary, Paul Heyman and Jim Ross were having the argument of the century. They worked well together, especially in, in this instance. They argued a lot during their play-by-play -play days together, but in this instance they worked really well, having that confrontational style. All ten men played the roles wonderfully and brought their A-game. The last four standing were Angle and Austin for the Alliance, and Jericho and The Rock for WWF. Angle was eliminated, and Jericho was eliminated. It was down to Austin and Rock, the two biggest stars in wrestling, fighting for the two biggest companies in wrestling, quote-unquote. Things looked bleak for the WWF when Jericho let his personal issues with The Rock take precedence over the company and attacked him with a steel chair, again, looking more so in WWF storylines rather than saving the company, invasion, the major invasion angle. The Rock put up a great fight with Austin, reminding every one of their classics, reminding every one of their classic matches at WrestleMania six months prior. But Angle returned to the ring and hit Austin with the title belt, showing his true loyalty to the World Wrestling Federation, and giving the victory to The Rock. The Invasion storyline was over, and it ended with a bang. Jericho, Angle, RVD, and Booker T would all become big players in the WWE over the next few years, while Austin and Rock would soon be gone. It was far from perfect, and it was enough to redeem the story, but it made this match worthwhile. This match was great because it brought everyone back to the old-school Survivor Series elimination-style matches, and it had meaning. Even though they botched the entire angle, they made this match still feel important. All right. Before you men go out there tonight, there are a few things I have to get off my chest. Firstly, I have every confidence that Team WWF will be victorious here tonight every confidence in you. However, I am a pragmatist and I realize I could be looking at a group of losers. And if that were to happen here tonight, if you were to lose 
this match tonight, I would like for you to remember a number of things. There isn't one WWF fan anywhere in the world that would ever, ever forgive you. Not one. Should you lose this match tonight, each and every one of you would be personally and professionally disgraced. Should you lose this match tonight, then all of you and each one individually would justifiably be ridiculed by your own peers and your own family members. Should you lose this match tonight, then what does it say for those who have preceded you? Those who have passed on, yet their spirit still lives here in the World Wrestling Federation. Names like Buddy Rogers. Names like Dr. Jerry Graham. Names like Gorilla Monsoon. Andre the Giant. Chief Peter Maivia! What would that say? Now, collectively and individually, you might be saying, I know you've got something for us, Mr. McMahon. I've been hearing you talk about how Stone Cold Steve Austin is going to jump to the World Wrestling Federation tonight. Well, for the purposes of that notion, I want you all to consider that notion total and complete, utter BS. Because tonight, all of you fight for the highest stakes you've ever fought for. It doesn't get any higher than fighting for survival. And tonight, each and every one of you will fight for survival. And you'll feel that exhilaration that you can only feel by laying it all on the line. So tonight, I've chosen each and every one of you. I've chosen you to participate in the Survivor Series Elimination Matchup. And by you joining this team, Tonight, you will honor the World Wrestling Federation. Now go out there and do it. In 2002, we saw Brock Lesnar, the next big thing, take on the Big Show for the WWE Championship. Lesnar champion, Big Show challenger. And the Big Show was about to experience something unpleasant from the next big thing. I was there, Madison Square Garden. The place was electric. The very first Elimination Chamber match was on this show and was great for two reasons. Shawn Michaels got one last title run with the WWF Championship, or should I say the World Heavyweight Championship, and RVD nearly killed Triple H with a frog splash. Of course, RVD was eating burgers at WWE's Times Square restaurant the following month during the next pay-per-view, so maybe it wasn't really great for him. 
but you digress. This right here was one of the most popular matches in Survivor Series history, or especially that year for fans, and that was the championship match between Brock Lesnar and Big Show. It was mostly comprised of Brock Lesnar, still a heel, mind you, tossing the 500-pound Big Show all over the ring at will and getting cheered at MSG like the biggest babyface since the Hulkster. He actually delivered a German suplex and a belly-to-belly and a belly-to-belly overhead suplex to Big Show. Take a moment and let that sink in, fans. This was also the first time Lesnar ever hoisted up Big Show to deliver his signature F5 slam, which was one of those moments where time seemed to stand still, just like we saw recently with Mark Henry and Big Show with a superplex break in the ring, like they took from Lesnar, Big Show, uh, in 2002, just eight, nine years prior. It should still be on every WWE highlight reel for the next 50 years. It would have pinned Big Show right there. It would have been the perfect finish. Of course, they had to go and mess it up by having Paul Heyman turn on Brock and align with Big Show, who goes down as the man to hand Lesnar his very first defeat. You could say it was a dumb finish. Some people say it was dumb. It wasn't very long. But I think... It was fantastic. I liked the ending. I liked the finish. The crowd was electric for this match. You completely turned Brock Lesnar from heel to babyface, and this was truly a test for the Big Show. There was something in the air. This was Big Show's final test in the WWF. Or should I say WWE? Officials were getting growing tired of Big Show when he was having weight issues. He went back to the minor leagues OVW to lose some weight, to retrain. He returned to the at the Royal Rumble. They were still issues with his weight. They repackaged him, put jeans and a singlet on him to mask his, his increase in size, cut his hair, made his look different. And this was really his last test to see if he could really make it now going forward in the WWE. There was no more WCW to back him up, so they weren't afraid to lose him to competition. So this was make it or break it for Big Show. And a short match, but I think it was perfect for his style his abilities, and what Brock Lesnar and him could do together. I think it fit. It worked well. It made Big Show a presence once again in WWE, making him the world champion. And I think this really helped Big Show, or escalate Big Show, to the next level and carried him over. And that's why he is still now in the WWE. And at the same time, you had a brand new babyface star born in the next big thing, Brock Lesnar.
Look and look at this. Lesnar right up in the grill of the big show. And Brock Lesnar heads to the face, wasting little time for these two mammoths to go at it for the WWE title. Obviously, that heavy cake up ribs of Lesnar. I don't think that's going to stop him, though, Cole. It's Madison Square Garden faithful behind Brock Lesnar all the way. Brock Lesnar's ribs heavily taped. Lesnar suffered a broken rib when he was press slammed off the stage by the seven foot, 500 pound Big Show. Big Show. Big Show looks real focused. And there's the power of the challenger. Wow. Big deal right there to the ribs. Right on the ribs. The ribs broken of Brock Lesnar and Big Show going one to one on the ribs of the team. Also in 2002, there was redemption for the heartbreak kid Shawn Michaels at Survivor Series. We just mentioned it previously. 2002 is largely remembered for Hulk Hogan coming back to wrestling and battling The Rock at WrestleMania 18, which me, uh, when I was there, I felt I had goosebumps on my arms. That was one of the greatest moments as a fan ever in my pro wrestling fan and in-ring announcing career. All due respect to that very important matchup, but another unexpected return has had a greater long-lasting effect on professional wrestling, if you look at it. When Shawn Michaels injured his back in 1998, people said he was finished and would never wrestle again. Four years had passed, and Shawn hadn't wrestled in that time frame. Yes, he had not wrestled in that time frame. He came back, made, became a commissioner, had a couple commentary spots, but had not wrestled at all. His match against Triple H at SummerSlam in Long Island, again, I hate to, to drop that I was there, but again, another great match. Goosebumps, you felt the chills, you felt emotionally involved in that match. That, was, that is what wrestling is. And that match at SummerSlam was supposed to be a one-off match. For one very special night, Sean was the greatest wrestler in the world again. But that was not only one night. He was supposed to come back. Or he wasn't supposed to come back. But he did return to the ring. And there he was, inside of a glass pod. The pod inside a gargantuan structure made of steel chains, making its debut in Madison Square Garden. In the other pods were Kane, Chris Jericho, and Booker T. In the ring were Rob Van Dam and champion Triple H. The top stars of WWE's Raw brand were all competing for the World Championship. This is when, after the Invasion storyline ended, they split brands officially to Raw and SmackDown. Sean watched as each man entered the ring, and then finally entered with only Kane, Jericho, and the game left. Sean clawed, scratched, and super-kicked his way past the Big Red Machine and Y2J, and it was down to him and his rival, his former best friend. The two battled each other ferociously, but it seemed only a matter of time before Triple H would defeat HBK and continue his reign of terror on Monday Night Raw. 
Incredibly, Michael's back body dropped out of a, pe- out of a pedigree and connected with Sweet Chin Music. Three seconds later, and Shawn Michaels was the world champion once again, holding the big gold belt for the very first time. It was an incredible climax to Shawn's odyssey, and it was his. It was a way for him to return home in the WWE at Madison Square Garden with the world title on his shoulders. Shawn has been in the WWE ever since, up until his retirement last year. Since 2002, up until his retirement, with each passing year, he cemented himself further and further, and it increased the argument that he is the greatest per- performer ever to grace inside to grace the squared circle and to be inside that sacred ground of a wrestling ring. Shawn Michaels rejuvenated his career. It was a time for him for redemption, and it was catapulted with this world championship victory. Just five years prior, he was he was basically isolated out of professional wrestling. He was known as a member of the Montreal Screwdrop Crew. He was known as one of the lowest wrestlers in wrestling for his ethical commitments. Well, we weren't sure if he was involved or not, but you had a you had a feeling that he had to know something about the Screwdrop and Survivor Series. So he went from ninety seven to o two. To redemption, Shawn Michaels was a new man, and it was marked off with his world championship victory. He is a bloody and battered man. Is the world's heavyweight champion, but he's turned to his stomach. He sees his adversary. Just get one arm across him. One finger is all you need. Shawn Michaels is done. There it is. The arm over. Is this how it's going to? No, it's not how it's going to end. What's not going to end that way? What? Shawn Michaels got a stone. Champion is crowned. And the Goldberg era has 
just begun. But the game has evolved, and the rules have changed. Look out, Goldberg! I'm right here, so come and get it. Triple H, Goldberg, the World Heavyweight Championship. If you want something done right, do it yourself. WWE Survivor Series, live next, only on pay-per-view. We go to Survivor Series 2003. There was one chance for McMahon. Normally, everyone looks at matches as greatest moments in Survivor Series or event history. I want to include promos as well. Promos do make matches important in the history of pay-per-view events, rivalries, TV shows, you name it, TV specials. Promos what make or what make matches so special. Vince McMahon was on one of his tears as an evil boss in 2003, abusing anyone and everyone from Hulk Hogan to Zach Gowan. The highlight of his cruelty was a father-versus-daughter I-quit match with Stephanie McMahon at No Mercy. He won this match and fired her as GM of SmackDown. As such, he was even more hated than normal. Unfortunately for him, Vince's next target was far more dangerous than Steph. His interest in keeping Brock Lesnar champion put him at odds with the top challenger, The Undertaker. When Undertaker won a handicap and no DQ and no countdown and two out of three falls, should I add, match against Lesnar and Big Show, he won the right to face anyone in any type of match. Vince assured him that as long as he was around, Taker would never become champion, and mocked him when Taker chose Buried Alive. But it was not Lesnar that would be put in this situation. It was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. The stage was set for the most hated man in WWE to take the worst beating of his life. The match was a glorified bloodbath. But for anyone invested in the storyline, it was a sweet, beautiful beating. Unfortunately, Vince had a backup plan in the form of the big red machine, Kane. The monster attacked The Undertaker. The Undertaker's brother had recently removed his mask and was the most diabolical, sadistic monster in the WWE. It was his new gimmick. And he was sickened that The Undertaker was now just another human he was a human being instead of the monster he once was. So, he buried his brother alive. This moment has had an incredible long-lasting effect on the WWE, as The Undertaker would return to face Kane as the dead man. He came back as the old-school Undertaker. And The Undertaker has reigned in the WWE ever since, going on to 19-0 at WrestleMania. Hey, listen, I, I, uh, just before your match, uh, I know you're preparing for your match, and it should be a great one, huh? I wanted to let you know how I'm feeling. Has it dawned on you what's going on? Has it dawned on you that it's a, a father's son competing in individual matches against two brothers, Kane and The Undertaker? When you think about that, it's, it's, it's ironic. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a certain fate to it. There's a, there's a, a spirituality to it. Um, 
And, and, and I know that I'm feeling that. And, and I know I'm feeling protected by, by a higher power. And I'm just wondering how, how you feel. How, how, how do you feel? Do you feel the same? The only thing I'm feeling right now is sorry for you. be the first to provoke me. Would you please provoke me? I dare you lay a finger on me. Maybe you won't take a shot at me right now. Will you knock the hell out of me? Do it! Why don't you give me a shot? You can't give me a stunner, Steve. You just played lost your nerve. There's nothing you can do about it, Steve. I think you're a coward. 
think a Stone Cold Steve Austin should be able to whip a man's ass when he sees fit? Give me a hell yeah! Then I've got a proposal for you, Steve. I propose it at Survivor Series. You and I, we each assemble a team of five for classic Survivor Series-style matchup. And if your team wins, then this rule where you can't touch anybody unless you're physically provoked, gone. But if my team wins, then you are history as co-general manager. If you think it's worth the risk of Stone Cold and losing his job so I can whoop ass again... Give me a hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Bishop has assembled one hellacious quintet, and the stakes couldn't be higher for Stone Cold. I've got four guys, but I need one more, so I'm asking you to be on my team. The answer is yes. You, Stone Cold Steve Austin, are going to have to... Five other people. Your fate is in their hands. This team wins the Survivor Series. We'll see the old rattlesnake back. You're going to see the real Stone Cold up close and personal. And that, so help me God, is the bottom line. Because Stone Cold sets up. Also in 2003, we saw Team Bischoff take on Team Austin. Team Bischoff consisted of Chris Jericho, Christian, Randy Orton, Big Papa Pump Scott Steiner, and Mark Henry. Team Austin comprised of the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Bubba Ray, and Devon, the Dudley Boys. This won't be the only time where we talk about how great Shawn Michaels was at wrestling psychology. That was on full display here, and as good as many of the other players in this match were, none were better than HBK. The stipulation was that if Steve Austin's team had lost the match, he would leave WWE. So when it all came down to HBK, with Michaels wearing one of his best crimson masks, it was mesmerizing how he had the fans hanging on his every move. At this point in his career, everything seemed to click for Shawn Michaels. He knew exactly what to do inside the ring without fault. In the end, he could not overcome the odds. Take notes. One, John Cena. And as a result, Steve Austin was forced to leave the WWE forever. I guess forever in WWE time is four months since he was back as a referee at WrestleMania. This may have been the last truly great Survivor Series elimination match when you look back at it. For 17 years, November has been a showcase for the true nature of men at odds. Featuring a series that tests the will and pushes the thresholds of all who partake. It is where the frailty of the human condition fades. And a raw animal instinct emerges. Many have battled to persevere. Most have failed. And as history reminds us, trust is nothing but a five-letter word. 
So tonight, once again, the vicious fight for survival begins. This one took place in 2004, but we saw a three-year succession for Randy Orton being the sole survivor in 2003, 2004, and 2005. This is more of a series of events than one particular moment, but it's a cool statistic and pretty informative. For three straight years, Orton was the sole survivor of the main Survivor Series elimination match. The first time, he last defeated Shawn Michaels and retired Austin from his position as Raw co-GM. The second time, he defeated Triple H and became GM for a day. The third time, he won for Team SmackDown over Team Raw. This was unceremoniously ended in 2006, but it was a neat streak for the time it existed. And you saw in place here that or there was things were set in motion for a brand new top star to be developed in Randy Orton. He still had more seasoning to go. He still had to refine and mold his character. But WWE was grooming their next top star in the future legend killer, future Viper, future apex predator, Randy Orton. Gonna tune up the band. Oh, no, Hitley does the stomping thing. Sean Michael of his opponents. Yeah, I know. Hey, hey, watch out.
In 2005, we saw an old-school NWA bloodbath carryover between Triple H and Nature Boy Ric Flair, Last Man Standing. This, you can arguably say, could be one of the best battles you've ever seen these two men have together. The Greensboro match on Raw had more emotion, of course, but this was simply a bloodbath. In fact, you can say Ric Flair lost all all of the blood in his body <laughs> won't be a, a shocking won't be a shocking statistic or a shocking fact which makes it all the more remarkable that he was able to function when this was over flair survived three pedigrees but the sledgehammer was too much and the king of kings reigned supreme you don't see matches like this in wwe anymore so if you're a newer fan or simply a fan of old school i suggest you check it out but those two these two legends, you could say the the new modern-day Ric Flair and the legendary Nature Boy battle each other. This is when Ric Flair, when evolution was starting to change and Ric Flair was starting to become babyface. People starting to be sympathetic to him. They had the, the big celebration in Greensboro for him after the cameras went off the air. His first DVD came out celebrating his, his great career. And this match was so special because you saw these two come together at a big-time pay-per-view and just let it out NWA old-school bloodbath style. 20 years ago, a tradition began. Tonight, that tradition continues. Men will form alliances, fight with everything they've got for just one goal. Survival. Co-Captain's DX. Co-Captain's rated RKO. 
blood. But does Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy realize what he's done? And I'm going to do it again. Mr. Kennedy, the Undertaker, in a first blood match in Survivor Series. Your time has come. The World Championship is on the line. The result will always be the same. I, the to do it when the title is on the line. Survivor Series, I'm taking my title back. Team Captain John Cena against Team Captain The Big Show. Talk about it. Now be about it. It's not so hard when you scream and shout it. I am the captain of the most dominant team in Survivor Series. Do it now. Look at Cena. He is on fire. He is ready. The Dallas Hulley Chaotic. This is the Survivor Series. In 2006, Mr. Kennedy took on The Undertaker in a first blood match. Again, you would not see this in this day and age of the PG non-blood WWE, but the amount of blood here pales in comparison to how much we saw the year prior with Flair and Triple H. But nothing compares to the absolutely sick chair shot delivered by Undertaker to Kennedy after the match to get his heat back. It was difficult to watch back then, let alone now with everyone on the concussion watch 24-7 with Chris Nowitzki. Ironically, Ken Anderson suffered severe concussions caused by an errant chair shots to the back of the head later on in his career. So this would carry over in Ken Anderson's career where he would have concussion issues, head traumas. And when you look back, it, the match was it was attempt, it was an attempted match to to cement a new star in the making, which didn't pan out in the long run for, for Kennedy and WWE. They were trying to put Kennedy over as this top star using The Undertaker to, quote-unquote, make him. Due to injuries, Kennedy didn't last long in WWE shortly after. But this match is, I suggest you watch it because you saw the attempt in, in trying to make a new star, but it was sick to watch that chair shot, uh, especially now in this day and age. But the match definitely was memorable. In 2007, we saw WWE Champion Randy Orton take on the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels for the WWE Championship. This was a one-man show starring, of course, Shawn Michaels. You have to give some credit to Orton, of course, but he was still relatively young in the main event scene. His first title reign was, was good, but not memorable. The psychology in this match was masterful, and it's all because of HBK. Per the rules of the match, Michaels was not allowed to use his signature superkick, yet he still went out there and had a, the match of the night. He took us on an emotional roller coaster with his mannerisms, his pained facial expressions, his near falls. Everything was done to perfection. There's a reason Michaels himself has stated that this is one of his favorite matches of his entire career. And it's a prime example of why the wrestling ring is a darker place for no longer having him in it. But this match, again, we saw, like I just mentioned, The Undertaker trying to make Mr. Kennedy. And it maybe it wasn't too successful in the long run. This was one of those matches where you saw a legend make a future superstar. Oh, my God, you're going to break Orton's ankle! Orton's ankle! 
2008, we saw Team HBK take on Team JBL. 
Team HBK consisted of Shawn Michaels, Rey Mysterio, Crime Time, and The Great Khali. Meanwhile, JBL's team consisted of John Bradshaw Layfield, Kane, MVP, John Morrison, and The Miz. There was nothing overly special about this match, but from top to bottom, it was a really well-worked Survivor's match. If you're into shock value, you probably liked Edge winning the WWE title in the triple threat with Kozlov and Triple H. Yes, Kozlov was in there. If you're a loyal resident of the C-Nation, you likely enjoyed John Cena's return title victory over Chris Jericho. Each irritated your quote-unquote hardcore fan in their own way, so... You could say one negated the other, but this match was it was special in its own right because you saw a feud building between HBK and JBL, and you saw, once again, a traditional Survivor Series elimination match return, trying to make certain stars by giving legends or giving them the rub from the legends that were the captains. JBL was really emerging. He was on the top of his game. I truly felt JBL was so special and very uh, extremely underrated performer, and he was a great main event talent, and he was a great champion. That's why we see Mark Henry work so well these days as champion. He, ha- he has a similar style, not similar style as champion in terms of dominance and and creating that that fear of, oh, he's going to retain the title again, but in a good way where you want to see him still hold it, but you want to see him lose it at the same time. You fall involved, you fall into the storyline, you fall into his promos. And that's what JBL had as WWE champion, the longest reigning champion in SmackDown history, as he likes to gloat. But this match was special because it brought back the essence of the traditional Survivor Series elimination match. You see a pattern here, fans? This is what makes wrestling so special, having different matches at these special pay-per-views. Team Kofi Kingston looking for a fight. 
four of us are black and one of us is white. What's up? What's up? Kicking things off right, Survivor Series in 2009. Survivor Series has its ups, especially in 96, and its downs. We saw some yawns as well in the history of the survival event. But some main events are special in the history of this event. In 2009, we saw a huge triple threat match between John Cena, Triple H, and Shawn Michaels. Unquestionably, the biggest babyfaces on Raw, and three with tremendous history between them. At the time, Sean and Triple H were in full-fled DX mode, getting along rather swimmingly by coming to the ring together. The bell rang, and DX stared Cena down, and in three seconds, the entire complexion of the match had changed. With one kick, one out of nowhere, perfectly executed... Shawn Michaels set the tone for the match. Many had assumed that it would be a glorified handicap match for most of the contest, with dissension being teased until Triple H would turn on Shawn. Instead, HBK got the jump on Hunter right from the start. The match was now an every-man-for-himself affair. The match was a strong main event, but the beginning was the best part. It may indeed be the greatest first three seconds of a match ever. The idea, the execution, and the reaction of everyone from Sean to Cena to the fans to the announcers made it come off perfectly. I know watching, when he hit that kick right on Triple H's jaw, you were shocked and the crowd went nuts. Shawn Michaels standing there staring going, hey, I gotta go for it. Cena looking shocked and Triple H just laying there out cold. It made the match so special, and that is one of the greatest Survivor Series moments ever, if not one of the greatest three to five seconds to open a match ever. Ladies and gentlemen, if DX remain on the same page tonight, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that John Cena will lose the WWE Championship. Well, the question is, which one of these great superstars will win, be victorious here tonight? I mean, this is... You guys will have to agree with this. I mean, is it going to be Sean or is it going to be Triple H? Well, the last time the WWE title changed hands in this city was 2000, and that match featured the game Triple H. Oh, oh, sweet oh, what in the world? Oh, oh, I told you, King. I told you. What? I called it. Get the look on Cena's face. <laughs> right there, ladies and gentlemen, is vintage Shawn Michaels. I love it. Shawn Michaels has made a career yeah. about being in the center of the storm. <laughs> Let's go. Here we go now. Come on. What? Okay. Did that just happen? Look watch, at this watch, again. Watch, 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 watch. Come on, come on. Get Shut it. Yeah. Sweet chin music. And it is Michaels and Cena for the WWE Championship for the moment. Triple H is out of the game. Sean.
Shawn Michaels has ego. Shawn Michaels has pride. And he's also the legendary showstopper. He's won a world title on four different occasions because of actions like that. And he's the greatest performer in the history of sports entertainment because of that. King, I value your opinion. I respect you. What do you think? I told you. What do you think, sir? I'm at a loss for words right now. Look at Michaels. Here comes a shot. And remember... I'm telling you, I don't know what I'm going to do. I want to do what's right. But is it right for me? And if I do what's wrong, who will I be? But if I can't choose what I should do, then everything I thought I was is through. Everything I thought I was is through. I've got you in my back pocket. When push comes to shove, you will do exactly what I tell you. You obey Wade Barrett's orders and you disrespect every person who has ever been champion, including yourself. Used to always know what I believe. Then life got complicated. People lied to me. Where will I be when this thing's through? Oh Lord, won't you tell me what to do? Oh Lord, can't you tell me what to do? We're so chosen, we're so broken. Which words will be spoken to the light? And which road am I walking down tonight? Lord, which road am I walking down tonight? I'm ordering you to help me. I'm going to call the match down the middle. You let everybody down. The biggest phony in the WWE. Last year, 2010, we really asked, is he really fired this time? Randy Orton, the champion, took on Wade Barrett, WWE Championship match, John Cena, the special referee. Randy Orton defeated Wade Barrett to retain the WWE Championship with John Cena as the special referee. The finish saw Barrett hit his wasteland move and made the cover, but Orton was able to grab the ropes at the count of two. That did not sit well with Barrett, who began barking at Cena. He then pushed Cena, who pushed him back right into an RKO from Orton, who made the cover. Cena counted one, two, and then paused before bringing his hand down one more time and giving Orton the victory. Cena then threw off his referee shirt before the members of Nexus came to the ring and went on to attack. However, Orton and Cena were able to fight them off. Cena then grabbed the championship and gave it to Orton, followed by a hug between the two. Ugh. The stipulation going into the match was that Cena would be fired from the company if Barrett didn't win the title, because Cena was officially a member of Nexus. I bring this up because this will go into my rant now since we finished up wrapping the history of Survivor Series and the moments, especially the Survivor Series elimination style matches. Again, they had a great storyline developing here with these new stars Nexus developing. 
Sure, they had a hiccup with the the hanging the necktie incident with Daniel Bryan and Justin Roberts. I don't know why I love seeing that. I don't know. Me being a ring announcer, wanting his job. Well, maybe selfishly I like that. But nevertheless, Daniel Bryan had to be fired as a result, short term, of course. But it put a hiccup in the Nexus angle for a bit, but it, it, there was room for redemption. Whether they never really got behind or felt comfortable with the stars they picked to be a part of Nexus, whether they should have picked more experienced superstars to be involved in this rookie group, you had the makings of a perfect Survivor Series elimination-style match. I know sometimes creative changes on a weekly basis in WWE, but this had the makings of a prototypical Survivor Series storyline. You had a group of guys running roughshod through the WWE, ripping up rings, ripping up sets, and you needed the WWE to band together to attack and, and get back what is theirs, the WWE. So what would have fit perfectly? You had the SummerSlam matchup, the tag team matchup between WWE and Nexus, which involved the hitman Bret Hart, which was okay. But it could have built up even more. You have Nexus be, become this strong entity to compete with the top WWE talent. You're building new stars. And it would fit. This is, We'll talk another Beyond the Bell about the War Games, the history of the War Games event in WCW. You had two groups wanting to attack each other and wanting to rip each other's throats out to where it culminated in one place inside that cage, team against team. In Survivor Series, you didn't have a team, which is understandable. But you, you're, it still had that element of groups of superstars banding together for a common purpose. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey guys, JJ Sexay here. Are you looking for the latest news in both professional wrestling and mixed martial arts? Well, check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for one of the longest-running newsletters in professional wrestling over 16 years. And just like Wrestling News Live, it's absolutely free. Join over 27,000 other subscribers, wrestling-online.com. You will learn to pronounce my name properly. Wrestling dash online dot com hey everybody have you ever wondered how you can be even more interactive with the sns radio network well, just like the WWE, TNA, and everyone else on the planet, we're on Twitter. You can check out the entire network at SNS Radio Network. If you want to hit us up on Unplugged at SNS Unplugged, you can check out the whole indie show at TWIS underscore podcast, the Elite Force podcast at EF underscore podcast. You can check out my show at SNS Get In The Zone. And if you want to contact us individually, you can check out our personal Twitter accounts. I'm at Bronx Father. 
You can talk some wrestling with Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, at SNS underscore JJSexA1. You can bark at the Trey Dog at Trey on the Radio. You can swim in the waters with Mark the Shark DiCarlo at S underscore Tapley, T-A-P-L-E-Y. Harass the power Andy Knowles about The Miz at the power underscore Rewind. If you want to challenge the Rasputin of sci-fi and gaming and <coughs> politics, check out Mindwipe at Mindwipe. You can follow William Walkie Walker at Walker Views. And if you want to talk some old school wrestling, you can hit up Sean Beckerman of Beyond the Bell at Sean Beckerman at S-E-A-N-B-E-C-K-E-R-M-A-N. So don't be shy. Check us out on Twitter and be interactive right here on the SNS Radio Network. Ugh. Stupid bird! Hey there, listeners of the SNS Radio Network. Mindwipe here from the Force podcast, reminding you that when there is no live show or podcast airing, there is our wonderful little jukebox feature we have on the SNS Live page. Simply go to the website, pick a track you want to listen to, and then wait for it to come up. It's just like being in a bar and having a jukebox, except you don't have to pay for it. Additionally, don't forget, you can tune in to all the great shows on the SNS Radio Network Live, including all the live shows and podcasts, via TuneIn, The World's Radio, and Stitcher Smart Radio. Just go to either of those, download them to your mobile app or tablet, and search for SNS. There you go, folks. How much simpler could it be? A jukebox, live shows, podcasts, mobile, access, everything you could ever want. Right here on the SNS Radio Network. a fan of the SNS Radio Network? Want to keep up with what's going on with all the personalities and radio shows on the SNS Network? Well, let me tell you how. You can check out the Facebook group over at www.facebook.com slash groups slash SNS Radio Network. On Twitter, follow us at SNS Radio Network. You can follow me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, at SNS underscore jjsexa1 these are just a few ways to keep up with all the happenings going on on the sns radio network wraps up a very special edition of Beyond the Bell here on the SNS Radio Network. 
the Survivor Series, one of the classic events in professional wrestling history. I am so grateful that Vince McMahon did not get rid of Survivor Series as was it was rumored to be, uh, I think a year or two ago. I'm glad they decided to keep it back on the pay-per-view calendar. Uh, I like that they're still keeping with the elimination tag themes, you know, with the with the specific teams. I wish they were more theme oriented. We could throw in a couple of corny, uh, a couple or two corny team names, you know, Foreign Fanatics. But the Survivor Series is professional wrestling history. That's why I wish they bring back some of the historic WCW pay-per-views. Halloween Havoc, you know, Starcade. This is history. I know you want to move forward and the WWE is worldwide. But this, I believe, this is what the podcast is based out of, based off of is retro and classic and all things traditional. And even though you're entertaining, you're an entertainment company... There still should be some traditionalism in professional wrestling. You know, since 2010, we had some major events. The Survivor Series in 2011 is where we saw CM Punk start off his historic championship title reign lasting over a year. Unbelievable. You know, finally losing the title to The Rock at the Royal Rumble the following year. Un- it's, the Survivor Series has left us so many memories. You know, last year you could say may not have been as memorable as others. In a sense, you could say for the future of the business, it was with the debut of the Shield. One year since being in the company, tag team champions for Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, the United States champion currently. The Shield is going to be whether they're together or separate. I think separately you're going to see big things from all three, especially, in my opinion. Um, what we want, I think what the true fans want of deep down all around characters is Dean Ambrose, that Joker, Roddy Piper type character. Roma Reigns is the perfect fit for a big guy that they want to push. A la, you saw Batista and others, that really big jacked up guy. And Seth Rollins in the WWE 2K14 video game, arguably the, the best moveset in the game. And he could definitely move. He's got that attitude, you know, talking down to his, his, uh, his competitors inside the ring, all three debuted at the Survivor Series. What can you say? Survivor Series is wrestling. The Big Show jumping off the top turnbuckle with an elbow drop on Mark Henry. The Survivor Series has left us so many memories. The return of The Rock when he teamed with John Cena to take on R-Truth and The Miz. The Rock returning to the Garden. Wrestling would not be wrestling without the Survivor Series. I remember sitting watching it after Thanksgiving, after my belly's full of turkey and stuffing and gravy, and watching you know, Hulk Hogan and his you know, his fellow combatants against the evil bad guys. That's professional wrestling. So fans, that'll wrap it all up as we look back from 87 to 2010, and at, at the end here, we threw in a couple of main uh, main points or main, uh, main mo- or monumental moments. Ding! There's your word for Beyond the Bell of the Day, monumental over the past couple of years since 2010. But I'm glad Survivor Series is once again here with us, and I'm sure there'll be more moments to be made in the future. Let's take it home with some old school music. When you hear the phrase or words, Survivor Series, what superstar do you think of right away? You think of 1997, 
Brett the Hitman Hart and the Montreal Screwjob. So let's take you back now. This is not going to be an entrance theme for that man, but we'll take you back to WrestleMania, the album. Released in 1993, recorded in 92, Brett the Hitman Hart sang a pseudo-love song, which was produced by RCA Records, entitled Never Been a Right Time to Say Goodbye. So we're going to say goodbye with Not the Right Time to Say Goodbye by the Hitman from WrestleMania the album. Until next week, fans, when we rewind and relive all things retro and wrestling, Sean Beckerman signing off. Stay old school, my friends. Never been a right time to say goodbye.